the What Are You Doing movie archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is the insane 2009 pre-classic by Zack Snyder, Watchmen, the director's cut. On your Blu-ray or DVD, go ahead and pop it in, press play. And when you see the logo fade to black, I mean, click to yellow, right after the DC logo just goes into straight, bam, suck on our yellow crayon. That's when you press pause on your mouse or remote, and when we say three, two, one, unpause in a moment... I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. And it'll be like any other commentary, except this time it'll be Watchmen! Okay, at the table today is the requisite Brian William Finifter. Hello. And Trey, the amazing Stokes. Konnichiwa. And the fabulously haired Eddie, amazing fight choreographer, Dottie. Dottie? Dottie. Dottie, not Dottie. Uh, Dottie is, is, is the league of their own, my bad. Hey, <laughs> and that is, the, uh, that is the best description of my hair I think I've ever heard, if not entirely true. That's why we bring like people now. onto the show. Right. This show is basically an excuse to tell people about their hair, and then we have to cover it. Well, I, was, I was sort of dreading that, like what my little head tune was going to look like. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. When you see the caricature, you're not going to be so sad, you know so, so happy about it. But we'll, we'll get there eventually. All right. So this movie uh, represents for me a very special thing, which is a comic book story and film that I like. And then when I was able to page through the comic book, which is another first because usually I can't make it past page uh, the, the cover, I, I, I drop the book and go and cry and, and, and do something else that's more interesting to me. But I enjoyed the book too. Uh, now – that makes me the world's worst representative representative of comic book enthusiasts, which is why we have Eddie. Yay! Among among other millions of, of, of classy reasons that he could bring, and we'll find out the nuances of his knowledge. Eddie is here on the behalf of all those that are crazy about comics. I carry your flag proudly. All right, now Brian, how do you feel do about you have Watchmen? A flag. Do, I mean, do, 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 <laughs> Brian, how do you feel about Watchmen? Do, have you seen the movie? Did you read the book? Do you give a crap? I do. I read the book. Um a while back, and then I watched the movie, and I haven't seen the extended edition, so I'm sure there'll be parts that are new to me, except the fact that they're not new because I read the book. But oh, there will be lots um, of parts that are new to you. Yes, Malin Ackerman. Um, yeah, I love it. I, it's not something that goes back into the depths of my childhood, but uh, I'm a big fan, and it's really an amazing piece of work, and both by Alan Moore and Zack Snyder doesn't do a too terrible job, so good for him. Eddie, how do you feel about Watchmen, the book, and the movie? Uh, Watchmen, the book, I love with the power of a thousand dying suns. You've, you've read it multiple times. I've read it. I, I was living in Hawaii in 1997 doing my freshman year of college out there, and there was a store called Jellies that sold like old used books. And it was kicking around there, and I figured, you know what? Everyone keeps talking about it. I owe it to myself as a comic fan to read this. And I plowed through it, and it completely just rocked my world i read it about once a year just to sort of brush up on it and when i found out and, and i've been and i followed the the progress of the watchman development as a film since around that time as well because it's gone through so many incarnations it was going to be a, a, a mini series on hbo directed by terry gilliam it was going to be that would have been cool it's gonna yeah be a feature by terry i saw the terry gilliam script yeah I've, I've seen it i've yet to, to like read it i know there was a, a sam ham script that i read that was like completely different uh paul greengrass was attached for a while with a complete reimagining setting in modern times with terrorism as sort of the and the, then he made Flight 93 and he was fine. Exactly. And then he did that and <laughs> got, got out of his system with 9-11. That's <laughs> nice of you. Exactly. He purged all that. He's like, you know, if I want to make a 9-11 parable, maybe I should make a movie about 9-11 instead of Watchmen. Uh, and so I was, I was really excited. Thanks for backing off, Paul. Kind of scared, kind of nervous, didn't really know how the movie version was going to turn out. And I, I can say, in all honesty now, I think, and we'll talk about this more, but I think this is probably the best version of a film of Watchmen that we were ever going to get. And we'll talk about more what that means later on, but I was very happy with the movie at the end of the day. Trey, Watchmen, comic books, do you care? Uh, don't care about comic books, never did. Um, 
Red Watchmen, though, ages ago, because it was something that was supposed to be such a big deal, and read it and loved it, and I think I'm with you in the case of, well, if this was what all comic books were like, then maybe I would like them. But uh, few are this amazingly thought out and plotted and developed as, as stories. And, and, and because it was, you know, as, as I'm sure we'll get into more, it's, Watchmen is the anti-comic book, really, in many ways. Or certainly in the 80s when it came out, it's very different than what comic books normally were thought to be. Um, but I thought the I thought the the novel or the graphic novel probably the first time I ever heard that ridiculous phrase. <laughs> well, it's not a comic; it's a graphic novel. Yeah, whatever. But uh, I thought Watchmen was fantastic, and and was always curious as to how it would translate to a movie. Didn't didn't see this movie in theater just when it came out on video. Um, I just picked it up. And, I remember you coming out and you were like, "Were we supposed to hate Watchmen?" Yeah, I don't like Watchmen. Exactly. My my response was, I forget. You know, if I is it. Am I, if I'm cool, if I'm cool, I'm supposed to hate Watchmen because then I'm not cool because I thought this was the greatest movie I've seen all year. Um, not that I've seen many, but it, I think this is a, a great film. Um, I, I'm with Eddie. It's like it's it's probably about as best a treatment of of that novel as we ever could have possibly gotten. Um, and uh, I think it's just a fantastically made movie. And I, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing the special edition because I have not seen those scenes either. I've only seen the the released version. And as I said, this movie is up. Among a ridiculously few that I would I would call enjoyable in terms of comic book stories and movies and all those things, I can't think of another one off the top of my head. Dark Knight I did enjoy, yeah, and the um, the new the new the the first one begins. I enjoyed those fine, but those are clearly okay. Well, we can't really make money with the Batman franchise until we make it look like the Bourne Ultimatum, and then they did, and of course it was amazing, but. Old school Batman never got into it, and none of the other. Obviously, you guys have heard Spider Man, so you know how I right. feel about comic book movies, and this movie remains insane and interesting and fascinating and cool to me, the, 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 the hater of comic books among, among these guys here. So, that being said, let's go ahead and begin. Um, get your remote or mouse ready. And you should be at the point in the movie where it's kind of tough to get to the right exact you know, instant where it clicks from the DC logo to yellow, but just do your best because what, what, else, what else are you going to do? Gonna, come on now. So go ahead and get ready. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one, unpause. So this is this is the if you, if you read the novel this is just the Watchman yellow which is basically the the yellow of the button it's like it's, it's a motif in the entire book is that yellow color um, so I, I love that they uh, they started with just a, the yellow background right it's a handsome shade of yellow it is this it, is this is the first major deviation from the book but it's a deviation that I'm completely happy with this uh, sort of opening scene <clears throat> you don't really see sort of what the inside of the comedian's uh, little condo high-rise looks like. You're, you don't see that in the book. You see that here, and I think it's especially necessary to sort of at least show the attack that isn't shown in the book. Uh, it it, it, it kind of gets people who are uninitiated to the book or to the, the story or even the concept of the world. Right now, you're seeing Richard Nixon as president, so you know, like, okay, this is a world slightly different than the one we're living in now. <laughs> I actually lived in that world. <laughs> I've heard, and people, the thing that actually bugged me the most about Watchmen, aside from the inexplicable CG cat, but we'll get to that, was Richard Nixon's makeup. And, 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 and I heard a weird theory towards the end where people were like, no, you see, his nose gets longer as the movie goes on. I'm like, that's adorable, <laughs> no, but he still looks That's numb. a ridiculous idea. Well, uh, well that, that's, if anything, is, uh, you know, a lot of these are, are caricatures or attempted you know, real, real people. I mean, these are, these are real people of the day. Um, it's probably where the movie is least successful in, in this, you know, trying to recreate these real personalities. I mean, all these, these three characters are, you know, Eleanor Clift and so on. These are all 
Pat Buchanan. Yeah, Pat Buchanan. That's that's an attempted Pat I think Buchanan. Pat Buchanan looks okay. He's all right. It's 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 um, kind of pretty. That's the thing. Elmer Clift looked like it could be played by Elmer Clift. So, yeah, that's a good one. But uh, Kissinger is not very successful. Right. You know, yeah. a bunch of the others are not that successful. Um, the probably the most successful is uh, is Kennedy. Um, of course, you only see him from a distance, and right? Then, and then later from an even farther distance, but. Um, but uh, and then spread over a distance. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 from the book. It's it's a choice that you know the book had this uh, idea. You know these real real world characters were mixed in, um, and the movie went for it. Uh, but uh, among the least successful things in the movie, I think, is these. You know, Dick Cavett. I didn't even know it was Dick Cavett until I read the credits. Like that was supposed to be Dick Cavett. Okay, but but even so, the movie kind of takes this idea even a little bit further than the book. I feel you see all those references in the book, but here we're spending really just a lot of time establishing the pop culture of this world. And even though you know nothing about this character, if you've never heard of what a Watchman is or does, um, you at least get the sense like, okay, it's this sort of parallel universe. And again, as a choice that I think they, they felt like they had to make, I agree that it's not like the most successful, but I felt like in terms of establishing your first five minutes of your movie, it was something that they felt like they had to did for, for better or worse. Something about the ad campaign for this movie struck the exact wrong chord with me from the beginning, which was that, Obviously, for someone that knew what Watchmen was in 2008, okay, this movie was going to be a huge failure. It was going to be an abortion of all things that were holy and loved, and they already got Star Wars. Now they're doing Watchmen. Well, their ad campaign pretty much it was predicated on the notion of convincing those guys, no, we're going to do Watchmen right. So the trailers basically say, no, we're not going to do Watchmen wrong. Which is great for the one percent of people that need to know that Watchmen's going to be done right, so they can so they can sleep and so they can continue living, and they won't <laughs> you know eat a gun at the post office before the movie comes out. But for the ninety nine percent of the world that doesn't know what a Watchman is in two thousand and eight, the first teaser came out, and it was Muse, wasn't it Muse, and just sequences from the no, movie. it was uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, it was Smashing Pumpkins, and the Muse came later. It was Smashing Pumpkins, and like sequences of the movie, and then the name Watchmen, and I was like. Obviously, for someone that knew what that was, they probably would have known what it was before the logo came out, and they would have been like, oh, shit. Right. But I was watching this like, you guys aren't even trying. This is annoying, and frankly, if you're going to... Everything about the movie was so self-important. Right. We, I know now that it had a reason to be. It is a, an, an insanely good piece of fiction and, and you know, aesthetically well, in, in the universe. But at the time, it was just like, so here's this thing that is so cool and important that it doesn't need to tell me what it is. Well, that, Guess that tra- what? That you trailer, failed. That trailer was for the people who would see it and go, oh, my God, what's bad? Yeah. And it, and conver- conversely, conversely, like, whereas the trailer... I kind of got the irony of it because that Smashing Pumpkins song was used in the Batman and Robin soundtrack in 1997. Uh, so it was kind of like a little nod, nod, wink, wink. Watching the movie right about at this point, I was actually starting to get extremely concerned because, A, I was not a fan of the sound design they use in this fight scene of just... The, Thunder the, punches? Yeah, I was really not a fan and, and still am not. I, I have come to understand why he felt like he needed to do that and, I, and part of it is just the fighting style that Zack Snyder uses with Deming Caro, who's his main fight choreographer and he does like to over sound design things that by the way is the iconic image of yeah. the comedians that that is kind very, of like what the, from the book what yeah. the book that, i mean this is frame for frame at this point this is where like you start seeing some of those iconic images especially with the the blood-soaked um happy face, happy face yeah. button that's going to come back and has many different sort of thematic themes uh but at this point i was getting a little bit concerned right about now i'm like okay let's you know let's see how it is but that fight scene i, I felt like was not 
It didn't set the right tone. Yeah, it did not set the right tone. It was not putting itself on the right track, I felt. And of course, at that moment, you're like, oh, this is going to work. And then yeah. you get the title sequence. Yeah, this, which, which is, is which amazing. Is, this, this is title this, sequence. This title is sequence great, is, yeah. great uh, introduction to this universe. And, and, and Bob Dylan, all the times are changing. Yeah, and, no, and absolutely nothing to, to do with the book. I mean, this is where this is where you know Snyder or whoever designed this sequence went totally off on his own. All these images appear in the book, but not mm-hmm. in this way. And it's funny because everyone agrees. Like, I've never heard anyone say an unkind word about this sequence. No one will ever talk shit about this title sequence ever because it does its it is job a great extremely title well sequence and it's it's br- brilliantly like visual out. well yeah there's there's lit i mean this is one of those things where you would read wired articles about watchmen's coming out and the dude that made the sandals fighting movie is going to do it and you'd be like yeah we're going to fill every frame with a bunch of references and stuff so that it's layers and layers of interest and then you'd, you're like wow that's going to be terrible i don't because you imagine a movie where there's stuff in the background that you're supposed to be looking at it's like that doesn't work but in this sequence all of a sudden you're like there is there is what's in front of you, what's behind that, and then what's behind that to look at, and and I'm assuming, and you know I don't know, but I'm assuming that many of these things are layers and interest of, of all the stuff from the book that they wouldn't put in the movie. There's the whole the whole subplot, the whole comic in a comic sequence that was sort of excised too. What yeah, the, the Black Freighter? I, I, I'm just gonna say that uh, I know Silhouette's gay, all right, but she's all right, hot. Wait, no, no, she's no crazy. Silhouette is so hot. I would I would oh, I would go gay for her. Yeah. And what, watch the women in the background who are looking like, at. And watch, watch, <laughs> watch the sailor going by. Just yeah, the like, sa- <laughs> I love that the sailor. He's the guy who would have been in the picture that we know, except that Silhouette got there first. Now what, that's, that's what I love. I think the the best success of this title sequence is that it basically goes back to the point where our two histories you know sort of like converge that that point pre-world war ii where last, everything was last the same. supper reference by the way exactly yeah, great last supper beautiful tablo. but it, it it goes back to that one point and it's like okay with the addition of these mass superheroes this is exactly how our world would have gone and at first it starts off like oh it's happy they're they're fi- they're fighting bank robbers and they're kissing women and that's great and then you realize wow it's our world that's still as fucked up as our world can be and i love this yeah this i mean there and now go. it gets really brutal look at the background look at, and what's funny is that i don't remember what it was it might have been it might have been apocryphal but someone said the problem isn't that we have two dead lesbians on a bed it's that we said whores it, you're absolutely right, but it's like, yeah, you know what? If a if a out woman and that was in the public eye back then, that very well could have happened because that's exactly what our world was at that time. And we're seeing sort of the realities of our world injected into this comic book fantasy that we've always sort of kept separate up until up until the point where Watchmen came out. Oh, look at that! That is a really good John Kennedy. That's a good John Kennedy. Really wow, better. that's really and cool. a pretty good that's Jackie also a good there Jackie, as well, yeah. and, and an awesome White House. So now, now this one of the most subversive things, and this is an incredible restaging of Dealey Plaza. In fact, it, it looks like it ought to be in Dealey Plaza, although they probably didn't actually shoot it in Dealey Plaza. But that's that's a you even even pass by. It starts by passing by Abraham Zapruder filming it. Is the very beginning of this clip. Uh, it was fantastic, and then this bizarre <laughs> suggestion that it was the comedian who killed Kennedy is just fantastic. <laughs> John DeJardin, visual yeah. effects supervisor. Was, and, and never, never explained even why he did that or what that was all about. You know, that was just one of the many heinous things that he was involved in. So, Eddie, at this point, as a Watchmen fan and as a fan of Watchmen fans, were you sitting there with your buddies going, "Okay, everyone, chill out. This might the, the, work." There was a there was a visible like it wasn't it was beyond sigh of relief. It was like because uh, I saw this with my buddy Damien, my buddy uh, Sean, and my wife, and a few other people. And for those of us who had read the book, this is where like okay. Zack Snyder gets it. No matter what happens from this point on, it, even if he makes choices that we don't necessarily agree with, it's like, at least for me, I knew as soon as I saw the title sequence, and as soon, especially right there the with Rorschach. the Rorschach symbol, yeah. I'm like, okay, he knows what he's doing, and, and we're in at least safe hands. He's going to at least be responsible with it. Now, this is something that's a little bit less, this is a more subjective question than we would normally start a movie with, but 
We talked about in movies like The Wild Wild West where it's just a misfire. Everything they could have done right, they didn't do right. Well, in this movie, a lot of things, especially this title sequence, and we're talking about your experience of, oh, I love this. We're, this, oh, is, this, is, this, is off. this is a punch to the gut. This scene yeah. is amazing. This, talking about that sequence where all of a sudden you, you think to yourself, this is working, and you're thinking he gets it. What are you referring to that he gets? And, and another, another way to phrase the question is, had someone else done this wrong, what would this have been like? Uh, I, well, I mean, based on some of the scripts that I, or some of the treatments of the other versions of the film, they try to break it and just kind of like force it and crowbar it into like traditional three-act structure with a movie that has this and a character you have to sympathize with and blah, blah, blah. And I, I mean, I had heard of versions where Rorschach doesn't die, where they actually prevent the Holocaust that happens in, in at the end of the story. Uh that and and that's where it's like you don't get it. this at this point he's showing you okay these are these characters in this world and they're even though they're powerful and they're essentially gods on earth they are just as fucked up as you are and they are not immune whatsoever to the trappings of our world like right i mean that image yeah. right there with Vite, Vite hanging out at 54 with bowie is freaking yeah, me out yeah <laughs> that's exactly just, that, that just makes me hate him already exactly yeah he's he's and that's exactly how it is i mean those, these superheroes would be celebrities there would be a celebrity appeal to them and you know rorschach would be sort of like the the ugly dumpy uh girl in the girl band you know what i mean he'd be like <laughs> the one that you don't that you don't necessarily has the best one and you this know, absolutely would happen if nixon won uh, vietnam like the way he did yeah. you're fucking they right they, they would have repealed that. the what is it, the 14th amendment or whatever it is yeah I forget. It's whichever amendment it is. 14th is equal rights. That's right. Yeah, 14th. But whichever, whichever amendment it is. Um, you know, the Something one about th- how calculated the sequence is makes it feel more like a comic book than even like movies like The Hulk that posit comic right, panels. Right, right. Like, and here's what we're doing, guys. You know, this, the one thing I... way more for me than The one thing books. I miss, you know, and of course the whole ending has been changed from the original book and there was great, you know, oh my God, they took out the giant squid and they changed the whole ending, which I, you know, I, I understand why that was done. I didn't have a problem with that. It doesn't bother me. You know what I missed just because I thought it was a fascinating detail is the explanation of where Rorschach's mask came from. Right. Where did it come from? Right. Um, yes. The, the idea of Rorschach's mask is it, it was an experimental fabric that uh, was was based on Dr. Manhattan technology. It was, you know, Dr. Manhattan's technology, you know, influenced everything in life. Um, it was this experimental fabric, and they were going to make they were going to make dresses out of this fabric. And, and he was uh, working in a factory that made it, I think. Exactly, yeah. and and it was uh, it was connected to the story of Kitty Genovese, who um, yep. Kitty Genovese is the famous in the '60s, I believe. Real story. Yeah, uh, in the who she she was a woman who was raped and murdered on the streets of New York, and you know took about took several minutes, you know, forty five minutes to an hour. Well, and people she were watching for her. help, and no one came to help her. Um, and so that's a true story. And and uh, and Rorschach told that story and it was like a dress that she had ordered but she died before she picked it up or something like that anyway it was going to be her dress and so he he took the fabric and made his mask out of that fabric and that's how he became Rorschach and he explains the black and the white and constantly shifting and like and that espouses his philosophy uh, his, his view of the world yeah, and I miss that detail. I mean, I understand it's a whole story yeah. that you got to get into, but I, I thought that was you know, and they, and they do plenty of backstory on him anyway. So I, again, as a filmmaker, I understand that that didn't need to be there and so on. But it was just one of the things in Watchmen, specifically the book, that I was I really was like, oh, that's so awesome and dark and Rorschach's voice creepy. in this is perfect. Yeah, many, it's exactly many things what I about this movie have been split into infinite hair detail. Yet there's two things no one has a problem with ever: title sequence. Jack Earl Haley. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit. And yeah. at, at this point, we're actually getting almost at a shot for shot basis. Like, is the, you know, with the, the pan up from the, the button on the floor, him repelling upwards. I mean, he actually kind of does the, the old Batman style walk upwards with a grappling hook as opposed to the, the hydraulic there. But all the, I mean, the majority of the dialogue, pretty much straight. This, this panel here, pretty much exactly the way Dave Gibbons drew it. And even, 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 
when he goes, he even does that the way it's spelled HRM, I yeah, think, in the, the herm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's like, you know, how, what does that sound like in real life? Well, this works. This works, whatever. This that, is. That was, hey, were you, I mean, are, was there any. I'm assuming you were stoked about Jackie Earl Haley. Absolutely. And the, and the portrayal of Rorschach. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, even when they announced the casting, because I was a fan of his from uh, Little Children. I was a big fan of his. I was a wow, fan of his. Nice. Yeah. I'm I was a fan of his from Bad News Bears. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, sake, but you know, but like, when you see the, that broken, damaged character he plays in Little Children, uh, and this, the second they announce it, I'm like, okay, somebody is doing something right about this film. And then, um, actually, the gentleman who plays this comedian, um, who was on Grey's Anatomy, because my wife watches who lo- that. Who looks like, every time he comes on screen, I think, is that Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, no, that's true. Now, but uh, but I, even his casting as a comedian, I'm like, okay, you know what? It, he could pull that off. Like he physically at least looks like what you imagine a comedian could be. And uh, the, the casting all the way around, I was a little sketchy on Carly Gugino being uh, solid Jupiter. Jeffrey Just, Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, I mean, great actor. He had he's done some really good stuff. Uh, I was a little I was a little kind of sketchy on the casting of Carly Gugino, but I kept an open mind about that. The, the casting yeah, part I never really. She, she any, works uh, out do you so think well. there were any casting missteps? I mean, I don't think Melon Ackerman nails like hits it out of the park. She doesn't. Um, I would say uh, probably uh, Osmandius, uh, Adrian Veidt. I, I, it's uh, he did an all right job. I just Veidt? I thought it was Veidt. Veidt, whatever. I mean, oh, okay. I, when I, I know, reading I'm as sure. a kid, re re Watchmen, yeah. you kind of like you don't really Everybody know. How to the the actual German would be Veidt. Yeah, yeah, probably Veidt. Uh, yeah, because he is German. I think yeah. his nationality. His was the only one where I felt like. Is is that really the best week? It, it wasn't bad. I just felt like maybe they could. It, it wasn't the home run everybody else was. Well, he just he looks smaller. He does this, look very this guy weak. is smaller than the guy than the portrayal in the comic book, and well, he's supposed to be this big, you know, perfectly built guy. But the guy in the movie just looks kind of skinny and. I know, just felt young. I felt in the movie, um, Adrian Veidt's character in the movie was a little too spacey, kind of like it's funny you mentioned Bowie. He almost looks an actor yeah, carries he's, himself he's very Bowie esque, and I was I guess what I was looking for in the book was more of like a cold distant intellect completely correct you know and yeah, he doesn't come across as the literally the world's smartest man he doesn't I carry believe. himself with that way where you just you you stand in awe of the way he right puts words to he him. sounds I, like he's on day four of burning man and he did like a yeah. lot of mescaline you know i believe we're in special edition territory right now because i don't recognize this scene at all we are <laughs> so it's go. basically just an extension it's there's just a, how rorschach like, got out and he was yeah this is this is your first like okay rorschach's not just a creepy dude in a mask he's brutally efficient at what he does yeah and, and, he, and he also will put down cops if they get in his way right but he, which, he, which he won't certainly does plenty of times later so right to the guys, he's alive. He's just roughed up a little bit. And here we go. <laughs> he just doesn't give a crap. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to hit me. Like, yeah. Sure. Take a shot if you want. Wow. That was cool. Yeah. A little bit of an elaboration on the, the book as well. But it, again, it was a choice that I, I feel Snyder made and made correctly because it's like he had to establish <laughs> these characters. He had to front load a little bit of the character. Whereas part of the beauty of the book is, especially in the supplementary materials of the experts of under the uh, excerpts of under the hood and tales of the black freighter, you get uh, the, the characters kind of reveal themselves slowly over time. So that way when the final, you know, the final issues hit, uh, you're far more invested. This again, it's just it's that compression that kind of comes with adapting into a feature film. There's, we've seen ten thousand examples of it already, and we're going to never stop. It's just the art direction and the props, and so the the, the period decor of this movie is just just through the roof. It's it's just beautifully done. There's there's just so much great detail. It's such f- a blend between inventing a world and recreating one that existed at one point in time but no longer does yeah. in a way this is like the best star trek movie about time travel that's ever existed <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not even joking like it's it's in a way it's it's like yeah. a perfect example of like one inciting incident that that the original night i was talking about here about how the bad guys wore masks and they dress as ghosts so we said you know what screw it we're gonna do it dress we'll mask mask too. Sure. and yeah. that one little decision 
to do that has completely altered this world into this twisted, bizarro version of, of ours. You were talking about casting. I got to say, this guy who plays the Night Owl, the new Night Patrick Owl. Wilson. Patrick Wilson. The, the hot guy from Hard Candy. Okay. And also from Little Children as well. I've uh, never, I, I've never seen this guy before in my life that I'm aware of. And, and, well, and I was like, and I was like, why, when I was first watching through this movie, I'm like, wow, this guy's going to put on the Night Owl costume. And, you know, and, then it's, he does, and, and he it does, and I totally get it once he gets, puts it on. But th- this guy is so not, I mean, you understand why this guy, no one ever exposed this guy. Like you're the night owl, who you know, right. No one would ever go. I bet you're the Excuse night owl. Excuse me, are you Steve Gutenberg? <laughs> this guy does a way better uh, Bruce Wayne. Or, yeah, that's, this is what Bruce Wayne. Clark Kent. I was gonna say it's more Clark Kent because Bruce yeah, Wayne. Yeah. Oh, I love the Sasquatch. Yeah, it's it's Rorschach's best watch. Bruce Wayne is actually a very debonair, very dashing playboy. That and and that's one thing that like the Nolan films did right is that it's like he disguises himself. Not just with a mask, but with his behavior. It's like no yeah. one will ever suspect Bruce Wayne being Batman because Bruce Wayne. That's that's the equivalent of like a male Paris Hilton in their world, like this rich fucking good for nothing guy. You know this 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 ne'er do well, and that's how, his disguise. And and actually, in one of the uh, recent Jeff Johns comic books where he writes that he's talking about Superman, it's like yeah, well Superman doesn't even, all he does is take off his glasses. How do people never figure it out? And somebody says yeah, well he also hunches his shoulders over. He like slouches when he sits. He speaks he at a higher things. pitch. He runs into things. He's always falling down. He does like a million things that completely changes behavior. It's not just the mask. It's the behavior. Obsolete Brian, models a specialty. Did you, I mean, did you grow up reading comic books? No, actually. Uh, a little bit here and there, but actually mostly Star Trek and Star Wars comic books was the extent of my by childhood the way, I'm education. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you right after I yeah. set you up, but Nostalgia by Fight, there was a pre-movie release competition for people putting together. Basically, Zack Snyder went on and said, let's make everyone who wants to make, make a commercial, a, a commercial make, for yeah. Nostalgia, which is a perfume by Vite Corporation, um, make one, and we'll put one of them. The one that wins is going to go into the thing. Yeah, you see it at the very end. And a, and a bunch of us, a bunch of me and folks that I know worked on various ones, and I, I don't remember the one that won, but I know it wasn't any of ours, and I remember being underwhelmed by it. I thought we had done some other cooler ones. Well, that's to point it out when it comes up. I forget at what point it It's does, at the very but... end. It's when um, Vate is, or Vite or... Osmandius. Uh, Osmandius is looking a good old Ozzy. You know, he's a, he's a fancy chap. Uh, it's when he's sitting down in front of that wall of monitors kind yeah, of purveying the damage. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, when when that's a good little character touch too. It's like it's like yeah, he's Dan, he's 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 Dan Brown. He just walks around, or not Dan Brown. I'm sorry, he walks mm-hmm. around. But the second he senses any danger, he just his body has that muscle memory yeah, of being he, the crime fighter. He goes into that. I, I as 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 probably as good on balance it would be to have Rorschach on your side. It is it is kind of a problem when he comes to visit you because no one ever goes, dude. Did, you, did the kicking open the door? I mean, right. for, for, for heaven's sake, man. He's this big ball of id, and yeah. he just kind of crashes into everything. And kind of Republican too. If you listen to like, he, oh, he's, he's, oh, yeah, extremely yeah. he's yeah, extremely he's like, yeah, extremely like, He doesn't like liberals. Or gay. <laughs> he's, he's anti-gay. He's anti-liberal. He's, he's uh, yeah. It's like wow. He's he's. Uh, He's a he's a walking embodiment of conservative conservatives at, at the extreme edge. Bean juice. I love yeah, that line for some reason. Doesn't look like bean human juice. bean juice. I like the idea that he just eats beans out of the can. It's it's something that's weird and sort of primal in a way. Like you always hear about like what the beast in the movie, whatever right. crappy exploitation movie you're watching. The zombies love cat food. Yeah. You know. Well, it's it's also like food is not enjoyment. Food is it serves Sustenance. one it's, it serves one purpose and one purpose only. If he heated it up, that would be an embellishment that is completely unnecessary from his point. Well, yeah, he's 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 a, completely a survivalist. He's a true only Spartan. what you need to, res- he's a, to survive. Very true. Is, a, is, the, is a Spartan. Only what you need to survive. So, yeah. Brian, in your estimation, does this represent a a departure from the way comic book movies had been going and all those things? 
things? I mean, did this? Do you do you generally like comic book films? I mean, obviously, um, obviously, this is one of those ninety percent of everything is crap situations. But well, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, given your opinion on the whole genre or the whole medium. But uh, there's a larger trend involved that I think is started pretty much with the X Men movies in the late '90s with Brian Singer's X Men, right. where okay, taking taking the comic book stories and making them into a style that fits real life more. Right. And then, then you have Nolan's Batman, which does that. And then you have the Watchmen, which is, uh, along that similar vein. So that I like quite a bit. The, the older, the older stuff, I think it's just a matter of, and I, we've talked about this before. I think it's a matter of a genre or a medium growing up. It's, it's like the same thing with science fiction in the early days of the pulp, pulp magazines and the pulp books, where it's like, they're, they're not really sophisticated stories or, or they're kid stories, essentially. They're, that's really all they are, and they're very basic. But then as the people who read them as the children and liked them on that simple level as children, as those people grew up and matured themselves, the genre matured along with them. And I think it's the same thing with comic books. Is the people who grew up with Superman in the beginning as a kid, was they, they're kid stories, and that's fine. But then as they grow up, they get more sophisticated, and the well, genre they, gets they more don't, sophisticated. They don't always get more sophisticated. Well, no, but, <laughs> but some, but, but some, some people did. Some people did who sort of grew up really that as the norm. do yeah. love them, get more sophisticated, and then end, end up writing comic books and going back in, and there's this feedback yeah, so. loop. And well, and, we, and we, we haven't talked about it yet, but we should, because what's, what really what Watchmen is about is, and, and you have to remember that the source material is from the 80s, um, was, it, was this whole sort of postmodern examination of, wait a minute, wait a minute, if there were really people who put on weird costumes and fought crime, what would that really be like? And why? Why did yeah. they do that? What would that be like? What would their lives be like if you were yeah. that person? If you, you put know. human beings into these suits, yeah. how would those human beings behave? As opposed to if you put these Olympian archetypes, archetypal, yeah, archetypal, yeah. archetypal yeah. perfect people. Into and, you these see, and you see this, answer, this movie answers that question, the book answers that question like 10 different ways. Some of them are nuts. Some of them are batshit crazy. You know, some of them are you know wealthy who just don't have anything better to do. Some of them are you know driven by some terrible problem that they actually have with themselves. Some are kind of doing it because they're kind of doing it, and then they kind of give up on it when it gets tough. But you know, it's it's it. This is like if these people were real. You know, that one guy comes out and makes a you know makes a fortune at it by by marketing himself. You know, this, it really examines like if this was all true. You know what? What would what would our society be like, and what would these people have been like to 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 live like that? I think we'd be remiss as well if we didn't acknowledge the importance of the Cold War uh, in the setting of of a with which Alan Moore wrote this book, and b with which that the story takes place. It's uh, it's one. This is, uh, I'm sorry, Dan, Annie Leibovitz. Annie Leibovitz and then it's either Woodward or Bernstein. One of the right, two, exactly. Right? Yeah, right, right, that's and, true. But it's it because it's. Comic books in the in the lead up and, and during World War II, I mean, whole characters. Captain America was created like as a response as a response to Hitler uh, to a bad guy. I mean, there's countless comic book stories of various heroes punching the fuck out of Hitler, and that's because that was an enemy you could put your face on or put a face to and say, "This guy is evil. We need someone amazing to kill him." But the Cold War was different because we were always just in the threat and and like the the looming of it. And and I was you know I grew up in the sort of the tail end of the Cold War. And the effect of that is like, well, what would these extremely powerful people do against a threat that they not even all their powers could have any sort of effect on? At the end of the day, okay, what are you going to do? You go over and you you punch Stalin? Great. He drops a bomb on you and we all die. Mutually serious destruction, yeah. You're completely powerless against this thing, which is how how a lot of people during that time felt. And I think that sort of effect, this constant threat of nuclear war, these great 
powerful superheroes are just really powerless against it. Eddie, what would I mean? How long would your list of really honest and good comic book movies be? I mean, are there, is there is there a like? Well, is it just a matter of not everyone really likes you know Spider Man or something like? Well, that? Well, I think I think there needs to be an important distinction there as well because there's a there's comic book movies and then there's superhero movies. Uh, Road to Perdition is a comic book movie. A History of Violence is a comic book movie. Three hundred. Three hundred is a comic book movie. Uh, do they wear a cape and mask? No, but they are based off of stories that that were created in a sequential art form. And yes, graphic novels, which is the the choice de jour these Whatever. days. Whatever. It's a comic book. It's a goddamn comic book. Yeah. Let it be own that. it. Come on. Yeah, just be, be proud of it. Don't be ashamed of it. <laughs> yeah. So um, graphic novel is like the yeah. I still read them, but now I'm a grown up, and it seems embarrassing. Term we novels. invented. Yeah. No. It's it, own it for what it is. But again, um, some if you're talking about superhero movies, uh, I think a few of them do work. I I, I am a fan of the the X Men movie. Uh, of, of the first one I think the second one is even a little bit better uh, third one I have no opinion on whatsoever um, Dark Knight yeah, Dark Knight is amazing I, and I really like Batman uh, Begins as well I, I, li- I like what Nolan did to that because Nolan got it you know Nolan yeah. got what it is and it's, it's similar it's a similar sensibility it's like okay right. what would really what would a person who did this but what would their life really be like I you think know, there is be? I think there is a direct correlation to the success and the popularity of a comic book or of a, a superhero movie that is inversely proportionate or directly proportionate and respective to how like how relatable that person is batman is a man you know batman he's he puts on the mask and yeah he's got a couple gadgets but if you prick him he bleeds and buckets usually like batman if you ever read a lot of his great stories he gets the ever loving crap kicked out of him and he has and, and through sheer pluckiness and uh you know ingenuity that anybody could be born with he does that. Whereas, you know, an X-Men is, is successful, I think, because it, you know, a mutinism appears while you're a teenager and everybody sort of identifies with being a, uh, a, an adolescent that sort of goes through, oh my God, my body's changing, you know, and being and, an outcast and being an outcast. People can relate to that. And yeah, yeah Spider-Man all over and, and Spider-Man. Exactly. Same thing. It's like, yeah, he goes out and he, he fights a bank robber, but then he, you know, he gets turned down for a date for the prom and like his best friend steals his girl, you know, like he's, he's, that's, we were talking about this earlier, but that's the difference between, I think, a lot of the DC characters and the Marvel characters is that Stan Lee, when creating a lot of these Marvel characters, said, like, I want these people to just be relatable people who happen to do something extraordinary. Whereas a lot of those DC characters, which predate the Marvel characters by about 30, 40 years, um, were created like, oh, no, he's Superman. He does everything. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He is the Superman. Yeah, he's you perfect. Know? Wonder well, Woman. She that, is literally know, a goddess. And that brings us perfectly to Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan. And I'll be, I mean, Trey has... stage blue. It's talk, a, talk to us about Dr. Manhattan. Well, the Dr. Manhattan, and I just, I love this as a subversive place. First of all, great ass. Um, and, and very much like the book, I might Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, I don't know if you really pick up on it, although they certainly recreate it, but in the book, I love the fact that as he becomes more and more distant from humanity, he, he becomes less and less interested in hiding his junk. Um, his, his little G string gets smaller and smaller over time until finally he just doesn't wear it anymore. He's like, ah, screw it. Um, what what Doctor Manhattan represents, as far as I'm concerned, is like is the it answers the question: What if Superman were real? It's like, well, if Superman were real, eventually he'd get tired of us because we're just pathetic cockroaches compared to him. He would just go, you know, I don't care about you humans anymore. I don't. I've given up on you. I'm bored with you with your petty problems and your save me, save me. And that's that's what Doctor Manhattan is. Every it, day it's with the life. Yeah, the every day with this another crisis. It's like it's always going to keep happening. And, you know, and and it's 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 the argument about it's about God. It's like you know why does God care who wins the Grammys? I don't think God right. would. I really don't. Um, right. I don't think God cares who wins the Super Bowl. I think he would if care who doesn't one. win. Yeah, if there is one, I, if there is a God. 
God, I don't, or there is a Super Bowl. I don't think God actually cares who's going to win that. So I don't think, you know, he intercedes to make someone win or lose the Super Bowl. Um, that's what Dr. Without, you know, overtly saying it, it's nice that they're subtle about it. But the but then if you also gave God a girlfriend. Yeah. This is, like, right. how, yeah, exactly. How, how for a while. It would, it for would a while, him he stays interested. You know, he, he feigns, basically he admits later he's feigning interest on right. her behalf. Right. Because he, he genuinely yeah. wants to make her happy. He just, he is resigned to the fact that he will never know how again. It's the terrible, it's the old joke and you know it's, a, it's an r-rated movie but this, there's the old joke about how god did uh, god is talking to his minions and they go hey you haven't been to earth in a while and god goes i'm never going back to earth are you kidding me <laughs> and it, why, why not it's like i was there like two thousand years ago i knocked up a jewish chick they've been talking about me ever since uh, <laughs> so so it's like that you know i don't think if there is a god that he's paying that much attention to us and anyway that's what that's the that's the message of of dr manhattan the, is is i know and what's funny is i'm that- so far beyond you people i just don't give a shit Trey, you can also articulate a whole different set of expertise on this subject with regards to motion capture. Well, I, I suppose I can, yeah. And, and as, as, as far as motion capture goes, um, Dr. Manhattan's pretty good. I, I, I quibble about his lip sync. Um, not wild about his lip sync most of the time. Isn't that tough to do in most instances? It's, it's tough to do. It's tough to do, right? If you're doing a CG character, it's tough to do. I mean, and even if you're, you know, totally motion capturing every pixel of someone's face, which is uh, how, how this is being done... Um, Lip sync is is so specific a thing, and it's so easy to get wrong. And and he's about fifty fifty, Doctor Manhattan. Um, as far as sometimes you kind of go, wow, that didn't well, look yeah, like I he mean, said that at all. And sometimes it works okay. If you if you take out his eyeballs, you lose the whole. I wonder how the Polar Express is going to work out thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're left with the lip sync, but everything about his rendering and the way his presence in the scene feels very real. To it's me. it's no, he's, he's it's really beautifully impressive. done, and and uh, you know, all that's good. And it's just lip sync is just that final that he's got final that sort hurdle. of sort of light lips thing going on. Re- really yeah. subtle moment there too, which I really appreciate is that when he's actually trying to reach out to her, he has like a half second where he's actually like giving her his attention, and then he's immediately like snaps his head back because that's where he needs to devote where he his work. That's wants to yeah, that's where it's attention. like well, it's it's also like. It's like that part of him. It only appears the the old piece of him that was human just appears in like these little spurts, and uh, and also that animation with the floating uh, with the floating parts of this device. That's exactly because you see it as a still frame of just these pieces suspended in air. But the movement is always something you always kind of like. Oh yeah, I guess it would do that, and it's not something you necessarily imagined when you read it. But once you see it happen, it's like shit. It fills it. The movie does a great job of filling in these tiny little gaps uh, that no matter how many times you've read the book. It, it it adds just a depth of realism to it that's like okay it kind of like helps you along in in adapting that book into this world. Now this this actress is if, is there anything else I would know her from because again she also uh, I've never a brilliant seen, film seen uh, by the name of Twenty Seven Dresses as my wife will tell you okay which I have not uh, seen but no, I know that one. Hey, there's um there's Rorschach, uh, Rorschach. Yeah. walking by yeah I know Rorschach is, is the end is near guy and you yeah see you him see walking him repeatedly by. with that's his how mask that's off. how he hides in plain sight he he's always around. With his mask off in that in that guise, that's his disguise is to not wear the mask. A superhero's alter ego is the crazy guy on the street corner. Yeah. Right, that that's, that idea alone is brilliant. Is brilliant. I kind of like the, really idea the, the fact that he's the fact that he's right. The guys out in front of Grumman's theater. That dresses up like Spider-Man actually being Spider-Man. Yeah, maybe he actually oh. is Spider-Man. I like that. My, f- buddy, my buddy edited that documentary, The Confessions of a Superhero. My buddy Mick I saw that. that. That thing made me so depressed. Yeah, yeah. Mick was... I, I was working with Mick on Amazing Race. Uh, we're editing that, and he had literally just wrapped up that documentary. And uh, Because I asked him about it, because I used to see... I mean, you see those guys all the time whenever you go to Hollywood and Highland. And uh, I'm like, is it as bad as I think it is? He's like, dude, you have no idea. It's a do- oh, it, wow. then just just for those, it's a documentary about the people who dress like superheroes. Well, let's and, talk about that. Stand that's, in front that's, of that's relevant. Right, yeah. Chinese, right? Right. Yeah, uh, in front of world famous Grumman's Chinese theater are people who dress up as superheroes or other 
uh, popular culture characters Superman, and basically Wolverine. just take pictures. Just take pictures to get with their pictures taken and yeah. make a and couple bucks for tips. Well, yeah. the guy who who dressed up as Superman is legitimately. I mean, the and as the the film shows inside of his place, it is a shrine to Superman. He is he is literally obsessed with the character, obsessed with Christopher Reeve. That's just. If he if he can't really apply himself to anything else, he applies himself to something that he loves, and he sort of pursues that, and that's sort of what the the film kind of talks about. I kind of miss from the um, the comic book the the cigarettes that they smoke in these in this like alternate nineteen eighty five is essentially a crack pipe. It is like a little wad of tobacco that goes in like this spherical thing on a stick, oh, nice. and they light it up. And if you look if you look at the book, they do that. They took that out entirely. Like nobody really smokes in this entire movie and that was like the one thing that's like really you're gonna show <laughs> yeah. giant blue dong for you know more than the book People actually getting does. their faces punched clean off yeah like, and, let's and, not show smoking and we'll get to it later but the fight scene as these two get into in a little bit is far more brutal than was they, in the book. you know yeah that's that's yeah. the shocking thing that comes up is is that these two you know oh it's a kind of a you know normal kind of couple they're kind of cute they're kind of having a date no it's good to see you and they might hook and up they're there. slitting and then throats. they and then they throw down and they massacre a dozen people. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's the one thing where I, I feel like it takes an extraordinary amount of discipline and restraint to make a movie like this, especially with such a vision involved already. But I feel like that was the one aspect where Zack Snyder let himself get a little too self-indulgent with... Where? Here, we're going to... With fight all the different fight sequences where they're all... I mean, that one in particular, but also in the prison and... Um, there's another one that is escaping me, but they show the, it's the, the bones popping out of the skin, yeah. and it's all very gruesome and, and right. graphic. And well, part of that is him, and part of that is uh, his fight choreographer is this guy Damon Carroll. A uh, few people know, like Zack Snyder actually trains, and he's actually pretty good himself. He trained at the Dan Inasano Academy down at down in Marina del Rey. Dan Inasano was Bruce Lee's best friend and training partner, and is sort of the the torchbearer of Jeet Kune Do, which is a style that Bruce Lee created. He's also an expert in Kali and um, Escrima, which are like Filipino stick Zack and knife fighting stuff. Well, no, Dan Inasano was, and, oh, okay. and, and Zack Snyder trained at that school, and that's where he met Damon Carroll was at the Inasano Academy. And in the special features, when you you'll see you'll see uh, Zack Snyder wear like. Asano Academy t-shirts and they did the fight choreography for 300 as well uh, and it's very apropos for that because we don't know how Bronze Age fighting is uh, but they said okay they got a spear and they got a shield Filipino fighting styles uh, you know like Eskrima often use a short weapon and a long range weapon like that and that translated very well to that here they they do a sort of a, a convergence of styles and I think the, the reference ports that they're using ended up in a fight scene and a series of fight scenes that are actually at times far more brutal than is necessary. Uh, not that I shy away from it, but it was just like, it was a actual very clear uh, difference from the book. Yeah. I think those moments of gruesomeness are the only thing that's out of character in the movie from the book, at least glaringly. So, well, me, there, there are some moments of gruesomeness. There are. Some of them there are. are, are there are. And that, yeah. I'm Dead. not saying that there aren't, but I'm, there's just something like in the dog with its head split open, etc. Well, yeah, they definitely fry a guy, and, and Rorschach's death in the book is exactly as, as you <laughs> see it. Hi, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now some with the makeup and the not so well. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Carla, Carla's, Carla's makeup is okay here. Um, what, okay, what, what goes into... Okay, two-part two question. Trey, yes. I'm sure all of you guys can talk about this, but makeup dude, creature guy, mm. what's an example of really insanely good old-age makeup in cinema? What's an, just a someone that did it right? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, not that I've caught up with all the state-of-the-art. Um, well, I'm trying to think fun. of an example of someone being, you know, someone being aged this much recently. Um, mm. Kate Blanchett and Benjamin Button, maybe? Yeah, I was say Which I have not seen, but I'm sure that's probably okay. pretty good. Um, 
and uh, I assume they did her makeup and not digitally. I, on the but, Criterion edition, you can see like it's it's a lot of it is digital, and it's a surprising. Uh, amount of cg makeup for that well one. i guess my question part two of the question is that what goes into doing it right well it's the technology is still always evolving and, and it's it still it, it it happens uh more and more often digitally nowadays of course there was the you know the the digital youngening of uh of uh the actors in uh in x-men 2 for example um three but yes. <clears throat> was that three yeah i didn't think i i didn't know if i saw scene three so i guess that was the one um it's you know originally it was it was just uh, paint you know back in the day it was paint and actually still a lot of good makeup work is paint where it's not even 3D it's just painted to make it look like 3D then we had uh, the latex revolution in the 60s and 70s um, but latex has a kind of a distinctive look and then they came out with now they're silicones um, and and the newest the best version and and now that we're in uh, you know high def world. Um, it's good if you can do it. There's a lot of silicones and urethanes that are that are translucent, which is like human skin. The, the giveaway of of a makeup job is the fact that it's unless you do it with the highest end materials and really do it well, it doesn't. You know, it's opaque, and human skin is not actually opaque. You can actually see into people's skin. So, so these new these new urethanes and so on are have have a translucency to them. So, if you're doing a big buildup on someone's face, then uh, you know you, it, it it actually has that that semi transparency translucency like human skin. But that's, it's hard to work with. Yeah, exactly. It has subsurface scattering. But um, we can argue about uh, you know Carla's rightness for the role, but she looks good in the outfit. Oh, not as good as her daughter coming up because you know I I, I think Malin Ackerman is a fantastic actress. I guess um, I don't sure. know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, but uh, that outfit is fantastic. Eddie, you were but. talking about, before we started recording, how this scene is sort of a, an example of how Watchmen or Alan Moore reflects back at the audience even more than the characters in the book. And, and it's, yes, this, yeah, this, this is the moment. Is. So this is, take he, it. He's basically kind of giving his opinion of, I mean, it's, these people were just in another room dressed up in the most ridiculous of costumes, and that's what you consider the superhero comic book world. And now we're in an entirely different world. And I'll, a little anecdote, when I saw this in the theater, People who had never there was a bunch of people there who were just the average movie going crowd who had never read the book or heard of the movie or what it was about and they were with the movie all the way up until this point and at this point you realize wow I guess a guy who dresses in a mask and beats the shit out of people for a living there's not a lot of daylight between that and a guy who maybe just might do this which is the the most savage I mean savage and brutal assault of a woman Uh, my wife had a hard time watching this and I I understand why and she was the only one there and this point specifically like there were audible gasps in the audience because they could just you always are trained to associate even if you're not a comic book fan mass superhero good not the guy who does this. Yeah, you don't. One superhero raping another is right, not something right. you picture happening. And it's like, and and but then there's also, especially once you find out more later on in the movie what the whole story is, uh, it, you find out there's even more complexity to it. This scene here with Hooded Justice beating the crap out of him, and this line that comedian is about to deliver of this is what you like, this is what makes you hot. That is Alan Moore speaking to the readers of superhero comic books right there. That's his opinion of us, and in a sense of all of us, and and he's not excluded from that. It's like, wow, we worship these guys that are really just totally fucked. Because it's all fetishism. (laughs) Because it's all these ideas. To a radical degree. But to a very radical degree, you have these people dressing up this way. Obviously, there's something is not normal about it. Not to pass any kind of moral judgment, but obviously it's... De- no, pass moral judgment. He almost fucking raped that chick. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't mean in the in the rape. I mean in the dressing up in certain ways. Right. I, I, but I, it's like the dressing I, up funny goes along with other 
perversions as it, well. It, it's Where like I one of the neuroses right? does carry with it. Where I draw the line is like, you know, hey, I like going to Comic Con. I like, you know, I've made I've made a costume or two in my day, and then right. gone out for Halloween and gone to Burning Man and all that. That's all fine. It's just don't don't try and say it's anything else. Just like, no, you're you you like the guy in the red tights. I get it. That's cool. Be cool. No, don't don't give me a thing about how no, it's an all American hero superhero story. It's like no, you like the guy in the red tights. Just. And, deal with it it's and what's okay. interesting is that in that scene in the book and in the movie when he straight up accuses Hooded Justice and calls him out for exactly what he is Hooded Justice doesn't deny it he yeah. just says what like almost like he's onto him in a way yeah. and in the book Hooded Justice is the only one whose identity is never revealed in the history of it I, it, from the old group, I believe, right? Yeah, and then he just didn't he just disappear? Yeah, he, he, dis- he, he went insane. To him? He went insane. No, 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 goes insane insane. and gets committed. But yeah, who did justice just who did justice just stop showing up one right. day and no one knew what happened? There's been endless speculation and talk among people that I don't know and some people that I do know before Yay. and after oh, the movie. This is special edition. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah this is a Holy new fuck. scene. Yeah, this is where that scene, instead of just simply shooting him with the flamethrower, this is like. This is Zack Snyder going, nope, this is the logical conclusion of a superhero, of a vigilante. They will get co-opted by the government, and they will be hired to do shit like this. And this is one of the best like front burns. The there's a, there's yeah, an so amazing... You just didn't see the setup that showed how brutal this was. There's a, there's a lot of really good fire stunt in this movie. There's an amazing bare-chested backburn that comes up later. Yes, in the that is incredible. Scene, which is the first which one is, of its kind, right? No, they've done them before, but it's... it's okay, wait, for, for it's, idiot red hair guy. Yeah. What? You'll see L- the later on. There's a guy, it's in the prison riot where a guy with no shirt is set is on fire. burning, and and the, and the, and the special have, features they show the process of it, like gelatin on him. Or something it's, like it, well, they have to do a, they have to do a special coating, and then they literally they show him put the coating on his back, and then once that's done, they literally have a tub of flammable liquid. Like, okay, you ready? Good. They dump him. They dump his entire back on it. They light him on fire. He runs. He turns a corner, jumps on the ground, and they spray and him they, with hose. They hose him off, which is always the end of any fire gag. Exactly. Is, is the guy hurls himself to the ground, and they, they put him out. Right. But usually you have to wear a full suit. All right. right. Now, we talk about how Dr. Manhattan is the ultimate. He's the extension of Superman. Exactly. When, when Superman's real, here's what happens two years later. He exactly. gets sick of us and moves to Mars. Right. So who is comedian? There's, like I was saying a second ago, there's endless speculation before and after the movie. Who is who, and what are they trying to say about any com- particular character? Oh, well, I don't know in terms of being an archetype of some known superhero? I'm not yeah. sure that he directly translates. There, really, there's a few that could apply. I think you could apply... Um, well, I mean, he starts off young. He's a teenager when he starts. He grows up and lives in a few different generations of it. You could make the argument of somebody like, um, I, I mean, really Robin in a way, because Robin becomes Nightwing and is now Batman. Uh, but then again, but I mean, Robin has such a strong moral compass. Uh, but there, I mean, there really is no parallel to this because well, we've already is, seen him try to rape a chick. Now he's going to shoot well, yeah, but a this pregnant is the extension. woman. This yeah. is Dr. Manhattan moving to Mars. Right, true. This is yeah. this is what happens when he's real and what happens. Well, this is, is kind of like, this is in, the, in the story here, is kind of what inspires Dr. Manhattan to go, you know, this whole human thing. I right. Don't, I don't get it anymore. But um, but in a way, he does. Like, he understands almost, and that's, I think, sort of what, it's like, I do understand this. I shouldn't be able to understand this. The thing about the comedian, though, and the comedian is, is, is as we, we were talking about earlier, you know, the comedian is the guy who gets it. The comedian, the reason he's the comedian, the reason he has this attitude that he has is he he's the one of them who knows or, or at least figures out earliest on that they're messed up he goes we're right. a bunch of freaks the, the comedian right. gets you know, the joke yeah exactly. the comedian is gets is the one who gets the joke he's no the Kierkegaard the, yeah, exactly. the, yeah he's the, the one who's like there's something seriously wrong with all of us and it's in in, in a perfect universe we would not be able to to be heroes and get paid to go to countries and burn people with flamethrowers, we'd be imprisoned or put to death and cut, you know shot down like dogs. Well, the whole but thing. The, but the, the the comedian is is not necessarily uh, 
you know, I don't know, the Punisher maybe is the closest thing he might be. He kind of becomes the to. Punisher. It's but, like, but it's, the Punisher was, was inspired by something. The comedian just seems, the comedian does it just for the fun of it. Yeah, and no, the, I mean, the idea that scarred. The thing about the comedian, though, is he, he, he doesn't represent a comic book character, but he represents a whole bunch of American foreign policy in real life. You know, the, yeah. the comedian is all about these are the guys that we're actually sending around the world to do things, and you don't want to know who they are or what they're like or hang out with them. And this is something, this is the, you know, the, this is the conservative was like, no, you hate America. It's like, no. And sometimes I would even say, yeah, we should send the psychopath to the foreign country and make sure that something happens. But we do this. I right. mean, there's no denying that Americans and other countries too, we send some seriously fucked up people to other countries to do some seriously fucked up things in the interest of national security. You and know, the comedian is that guy. And we have those guys. We have those guys around the world right now. We have comedians working right now. It's kind of funny. I just, just realized call them that. They, I, they work for Blackwater. So, yeah, I kind of just realized this, but um, if you're familiar with Captain America lore, Captain America had a sidekick named Bucky in World War II era. Bucky uh, died during World War II, um, but he was like a kid. He was like a teenager. And the thing is, recently in the comic books, they've brought him back. He's a grown man. He's actually the new Captain America. He takes over after Steve Rogers dies, and they explain how he survived and all this other stuff. But his he, he became this character called the Winter Soldier, and I just realized this now. His armor is modeled after the comedians, so I think that's kind of like the parallel <laughs> they were kind of draw. I think that's huh. that's uh, like an Ouroboros almost because Winter Soldier was introduced well after Watchmen was, and this armor, which is exactly as it's drawn in the comic by Dave Gibbons, that that is exactly Winter Soldier. He's got the Captain guess, America star on his. On yeah, his, on I think his Eddie was saying that mm. the closest you can get to Rorschach is like the Punisher or one of those. I guess, but it, but I mean, it's a, a simplification. Night Owl is definitely Batman, rich trust fund kid, gadget but then, based. But then you know. Beat also has Batman character. Well, yeah, too. but he's rich and he has a skyscraper. No, but I, I would say Veet is more almost like uh, uh, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four in the sense that he's like kind of like this cold intellect. Yeah. But again, you take that to its logical conclusion: the, the smartest man in the world figures yeah. it out. Figures and, it out, and he yeah. comes up with what I think. Let's have a second. And this is the gonna, mo- this is the moment in, where he does figure it out. Yeah, we're gonna get to the end of the movie and talk about it then too. But it's weird how the reason this movie works for me is that. I hadn't read Watchmen. I swear to God. There he goes. I, There's I, a moment where he figures yeah. it out. He's kind of like, shit, he's right. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't read Watchmen, but I was having a conversation like a week or two before it came out, just incidentally, where I said, the only way you could, like, we were talking about some number of problems with, with the world. It was one of those, like, you know, philosophical, we're at a diner, we're eating tomatoes off the plate, almost done, eating our fries. <laughs> and I, I said, there's no way you could save humans from themselves without a overwhelming act of evil. It would have to be a calculated act of evil for whom you could blame someone and then just move forward from that point. And that's exactly what this movie's about. Well, yes. Yeah. Well, it's that's like, look, you can't save humanity without just completely doing something that makes you into a monster. To understand and then be able to move to that point would take someone in the Watchmen universe. It's, it's, we were talking about, there's, in reality, there's no way you could possibly do that. It's worse than, it's, it's, a, number, it's a finite number of times worse than Hitler. Sure. Funny you should mention that, actually, because uh, that's sort of the big famous story about the ending of this, is that Alan Moore had a vague idea of where he was going with this when he started writing it. He knew that in the end he wanted some sort of, you know, a giant squid essentially to be engineered, genetically engineered by Veet or Vate or Osmandius like, <laughs> uh, to kill a bunch of people across the world. And that would somehow unite the world. And he was submitting the script to issue four and his editor was like, yeah, this is great stuff. You know, like vaguely, you know what the, the ending, let's talk about that. And they were talking about it. And Alan Moore basically pitches him, you know, and says, yeah, this is what's going to happen. This is where it's ending. And his editor was like, Oh, that's so great. It's just like the architects of fear. And Alan Moore's yeah, like, what? what? <laughs> Architects of Fear was an old episode of The Outer Limits that 
was briefly trying to be adapted into a movie. The idea that um, the two people within both you know governments of of the two superpowers of the world realize that they're on this path towards nuclear Armageddon. And so they fake and stage an alien invasion to sort of unite the world, uh, to rise against it. So that's why at the very end and also of the book and also in the movie, sort of like in the coda, when they go to visit, uh, Sally Jupiter, they cut to a screen and it shows the outer limits on the television, television screen. So, cause Alan Moore is like, well, I'm not going to change my ending. I got there on my own, but I can at least throw a little nod and a wink to it. I love that line. Yeah, love working it's, on American. So, and, uh, now, this much, is lovely, and had this much fun since Woodward and Bernstein. What yeah, the yeah. hell did the comedian do to Woodward? Yeah, and Bernstein? It, it's just hinted at. Clearly, he, pre- he just like he killed he killed Kennedy. He prevented the Watergate. Uh, well, that's thing, a, yeah. Right? I mean, that's the logical conclusion. If if From Nixon themselves. brought these people, if Nixon brought these people into the fold and used them as government agents, yeah. and Nixon being Nixon is going to use him to, he would have taken cross out Woodward and Bernstein off his own no, and, I, and I'm just kind of, kind of landing on this opinion right now, but I think the archetype that comedian is based off of is Captain America. He yeah, is the American I, dream. I was thinking the same what thing. What happened to the American you're right. dream? You're looking at it. I love it. how this well, movie, it doesn't parody anything. It just says, okay, here's how you want it. See, Let's as our that, 51st state. Welcome yeah. to Vietnam as our yeah. 51st state. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, comedian's parallel is Captain America. He's saying... Captain America is this. I'm what, America, Captain America becomes hyper disenfranchised. Uh, disenfranchised. Well, Captain America is shot, this is what America thinks it is, and the comedian is this is what America really is. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't look close, then or the World fine. War II America versus the Vietnam America. It's sort of. I mean, and I kind of made a joke about Kierkegaard, but it is kind of this absurdist take on it, and and the idea that you know absurdism as a philosophy. It's life is chaos. It's random. It's absolutely absurd. The things that go on, but under underneath that, you know, and sort of what uh, those early philosophers about it talked about was underneath that absurdity, you can find beauty. And I think this is absurdism without the beauty. And it kind of like borders on like pessimism and Schopenhauer, but like it is, they kind of touch on it at the end uh, with the conversation between Doctor Manhattan and uh, well, the uh, whole thing is the whole thing is extraordinarily nihilistic. And I think the comedian's real thing is he's the one that gets the joke of the fact that nothing means anything. Right. They're all worried about uh, defending these honors and the truth, justice, the American way. And he's the only one that sees that all of that is bullshit and nothing means anything. And sure. that's, that's the big absurdist joke well, of, of the, reality. It, but the message, though, that, that, that does, I think, come through, then they don't, they don't like bang it. I don't think they bang you over the head with it, which I admire. But, uh, you know, because this happens to be the philosophy that I share. It's like when you talk about, you know, which going to war over belief in God or going to war over ideologies of how you should have your government or going, you know, any of these things, those, those things are meaningless. In the end, those are meaningless and no one's right and no one's wrong and it's stupid to, to get, you know, and, and so you say, well, what does matter? What matters is, you know, having a person that you love and who loves you back and, and right. you know, and, and, and the, the things that all of us humans have in common, which is that we all like to, you know, eat some food and get laid and maybe, you know, have a nap, you know, it's like revel in those things and understand that we share all those things. And that's what life is about. You know, we don't, we weren't put here for a purpose, but enjoy the fact that we, we are here, we live here and we can go, that was a beautiful sunset, wasn't it? I mean, exactly. that's the point, if there's any point to anything. And we all share that, you know, regardless of what God we think there is. And, and I think in the end, it's like the movie does touch on that because mm-hmm. it's like the, the two who come through the cleanest right. is, is, the, is the couple that's like, well, you know, at least we finally hooked up and we fell in love and we can, we'll be here tomorrow. And at the end of the day, they live in a much safer world. Yeah. They live in a much better world. So uh, all this crap that they have to endure and all this horror that they, that they and, very few, and no one else really bears witness to – 
at the end of the day, net result is a better world. Yeah. And Even I, though nothing they did made that happen. anything to do with it. They, they, <laughs> yeah. It happened. The world is better in spite of them. Yeah. Maybe it's, not because maybe it's better just not to care about those things. And that, yeah. and that leads to an interesting choice by Zack Snyder that's subtle that we'll touch on when we get there. But right now. I uh, love this yeah. so very much. Yeah. The, the concept I, I love that, this look, actor. I'm a superhero. Fruer, you're baby. a supervillain. And we're fighting for something that has zero relevance whatsoever. And when you boil it down, you and I are the closest thing to friends that we will ever, <laughs> right. ever have. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, and not only that, but like this, this shows like, and again, I mean, a note would be, oh, can't Rorschach be a nicer guy? No, he is an absolute dick to a dying man, like yeah. a dying man who hasn't done anything wrong in years, who paid his debt to society, who is slowly dying, cold and alone, and he's just beating the tar out of him. Rorschach is the embodiment of no mercy, like quite yeah. simply, no mercy, no compromise, should, no compromise. No compromise. Yeah. You know, yeah, of course, that that's his undoing in the end of the movie. But the fact that yeah, he you know, Rorschach will not. He is relentless. He will never compromise. And this scene is important as well because you're actually seeing the closest to a human side of the comedian because the comedian uh, likes the joke and he he's comfortable with the joke being a certain size. But once he realized that the joke has now followed itself to a natural conclusion and he's learned the plans of Osmandius. Uh, it's like, oh shit, this is a bigger joke than I was really prepared for. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, this is even a little much for me. So probably somewhere, and we're watching the special edition, so there's a little bit of extra detail, but this is still you know, largely the theatrical. So this movie, we can take a step back to the bigger picture. This movie, of course, was ex- very expensive to make and received a great deal of publicity and was based on a what turned out to be not so beloved in terms of the number of humans on the planet. Uh, you know, the people who had heard of Watchmen had an opinion about Watchmen, and most people just didn't know what the hell that was. Um, this movie did okay, but didn't, was not a blockbuster at the box office. Um, can we presume that that's because people who were like, oh, superhero movie, okay, that there was way too much... Uh, meat with the sugar uh, in this movie right. for, for the average person's taste. Do we want to be? Can we want to be postmodern and ironic and and say yes? The audience just didn't get this movie. Uh, well, um, I, I think it, it kind of yeah, goes like back. Seinfeld fans. Right. <laughs> I think it kind of goes back deal? to. Uh, and what's the deal with the comedian's <laughs> philosophy? And looking at these letters, uh, I think I think it goes back to kind of what Goldman says about you know a. A mainstream film comforts and a independent film, film unsettles. Dis- unsettles. Yeah, unsettles. And this is this the, is like a two hundred million dollar indie. Yeah, this is yeah. You're absolutely right because yeah. this movie doesn't no tell you what you want to hear. Go back a little bit more into that and explain that. that, that the, uh, I'm yeah. so glad you're a Goldman fan too. Oh, hell the, yes. the Goldman's William Goldman, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, Bright, Princess Bride, one of the great screenwriters. Um, he has an idea that the definition we've said it before, but we'll reiterate the def- the definition of of indie versus Hollywood movie is not what studio made it. It's not the budget. It's not where it was released or when it was made. It's it's the sensibility of it is what means a Hollywood movie or an indie. A Hollywood movie tells you what you want to hear. Good triumph, love conquers all. Everything works out in the end. You know, happy ending. Right. You know, a Hollywood movie reinforces what we'd like to think. An independent movie upsets what we'd like to think. It unsettles you. It says, no, bad guys can win in the end. Sometimes true love isn't Sometimes enough. Sometimes evil conquers. Sometimes we all die. Sometimes things just, you know, despite your best efforts, you know, things don't work out. Um, this movie kind of is an independent movie. Independent movies don't do as well because people aren't as receptive to the message that everything they believe is wrong as they are to the message that everything they believe is right, which is what Hollywood movies want to tell you. Um, you know, and in this vein of thinking, this did extremely well for an independent film. It did for an independent <laughs> film. It did pretty well. Uh, we're, we're also getting back into like sort of a shot for shot sequence, like with uh, with this rack focus. Another thing I want to kind of touch on, and and this is the 
only like thing that you completely lose in the translation is the significance of Dave Gibbons' artwork. And it's not simply the way he draws faces in a funny book. Uh, we talked about this a little earlier, but he he draws like he draws much in a way of like almost iambic pentameter. If you look at the top left panel compared to the bottom right ta- panel, oftentimes they, they, they yeah, it's like they're almost like mirror images of one another. Uh, especially the issues in the book that have to do with the with uh, Rorschach being you know examined by the psychologist. That stuff like reads like poetry. Uh, down to the color palette, which the color palette, which Zack Snyder did an amazing job of capturing, as well as the DP, uh, did a great job of capturing the colors and the tones, almost like these neon. It's like a neon noir in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a cool name for a prog band. Neon, neon noir. noir. Neon They're neon touring noir. with Dream Theater uh, <laughs> this summer. They play at the Universal <laughs> Amphitheater. Trey, let me ask you a question with all your goddamn cynicism. Okay, <laughs> what? Whatever. What's the problem? What's the problem with these your comic book superhero Superman stories? It, well, the problem for me is uh, is that well, what's interesting about a character who's infallible and perfect and can't die? Um, what's what's the drama about it? I mean, it's those are we we have those stories. Those stories are very popular. They're called myths, which you know a myth and a myth, the definition of a myth is a religion that no one practices anymore. So so you know in Greek myth was all about the gods, aren't they awesome? And let's tell a story about them and how they fought forever because they're immortal and they can't die. And Crazy so, hot scene, by the way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 own it. Let's just go ahead and like yeah, it's pretty hot with the chick and the blue and the glowing and the and well, the uh, electricity the electricity sparks is exactly. very very nice touch. But, Not in the um, book either. So, so there are there are stories. I mean, again, those go right to our DNA. The stories of yes, we want to hear about the immortal Superman and gods. We want to hear those stories. We like those stories. Those stories don't make good movies, though, because movies should be about you know something that actually happens. And nothing in the end, nothing can happen to a god. You know, nothing can happen. As Superman's main job in life is rescuing all of his mortal friends. Um, which again, that's got to get old after a while. And that's probably, that's why Doctor Manhattan kind of gives up on the kinds like ah, screw it, I'm tired of rescuing you people. So so um, that's that's why I you know, I don't read comic books, but the superhero stories that I like are the, are the ones that we've talked about. You know, Spider Man, Batman, that at least you know they have problems, they have issues, they they could die. And and you know maybe there's something seriously wrong with them even you know that's fun to explore that's there's drama in that whereas there's not drama in the story of Superman well you know like Iron Man was an alcoholic that he had yeah. to study with and he grew up under the shadow of his his much more brilliant father and had sort of a contested relationship with him uh, you know Green Lantern and Hal Jordan watched his father die bad in a plane crash bad yeah. yeah bad particle sparks watched his father die in a plane crash and yet became a pilot anyway because he 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 simply like mocked in the face of fear. Um, Batman, you know, horribly scarred by his his parents dying, and, and feels like he has to avenge that. Same thing with Punisher, you know, watches the family gets gunned down, plus the psychological scarring of Vietnam. Like th- those those are characters you can sink your teeth into. Yeah. Does it come down to a difference between like comic books started out as fantasy, and fantasies are obviously a very simple. I would love to fly, so I'm going to read this funny book about a guy who can fly, and that's going to be an awesome way to spend 30 minutes, and then. It, Gradually, as the genre or the medium matures, you there's a transition between fantasy, which is a very straight, one-sided kind of thing, into drama, which is a more two-sided or three-dimensional kind of... There's an actual conflict with flawed human beings and things that you can't overcome, and there's a genuine struggle versus a one-sided fantasy. Um, I, I'm, I'm not... I don't proclaim to be a historian of of all comic books i go back i do know that like variations of comic books have existed uh, you know in the 19th century uh even before that um 
what I do know is that a lot of the early stories were about were a way for to allow access for average people to escape the mundane and escape the ordinary. Um, again, right, fantasy, yeah, fantasy, yeah, just as a way of fantasy. And I think after a while, there's only fantasy without any uh, conflict or without any sense of consequence or gravity can only sustain itself for so long. Um, right. You know, so I think after a while, people kind of crave. And if you look at comic books, comic books kind of go in a very cyclical nature. the The boom period of the ni- of the early '90s was about you know Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee drawing badass superheroes doing badass things, and they always won. And the X Men were stronger than they've ever been. And yeah, Superman died for four minutes, but fuck it, he's back. And there was like you know, so who gets? He's screwed. Not even death can kill Superman. That's how badass it was. And that lasted to about 1995. And comics went crazy unpopular marvel declared bankruptcy it wasn't until a, a couple of things one they started making inroads in the, in the feature film business with blade uh, in 98 and 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 two like when they started making stories that were more relatable and more accessible and there are period there are cyclical periods of like that all throughout the history of of the medium This is where they're they're about to go for their go for the their, go walk. For their walk and massacre. Yeah, <laughs> which which I'll have which yeah, I'll definitely have a couple things to say. I, I just love I absolutely adore uh, Dan's outfits that he wears around the house. This is the schlubbiest guy. <laughs> I mean, lo, I mean, like next to Ralph Macho and the Karate Kid, this is like this is the worst ensemble uh, I've ever it seen really on a protagonist. It's, it's not, it, dude. It's not even the sweater. It is the kind of plaid striped shirt and that what what is that? A, a, a woven tie. Yeah, well, it's, it's like a, made out of it's like carpet, denim yeah. or corduroy. It's well, like that's eighties. That's, 80s. that's and a this very I love too tie. because he's looking at this like, and you know he's not looking at the bra. You know he's looking at it like subatomic particle reactions. Yeah. Or, like her the DNA or her it or DNA something. or something. Yeah. Yeah, people are just shadows. It's such a great line. And this is, again, from the book as well, Gibbons. Gibbons didn't make it quite as blue. They definitely push, when John's alone, they definitely push the blue in the movie stronger than they do in the book, uh, which I understand why. It's, it's got to be lit a little more realistic. In the book, he does cast a glow, though, right? Absolutely. And Things the, become well, blue as much as, much as, a, as in a comic, you would right. you know, bother to color all that in. There's also something to be said about the coloring process of comic books in the early 80s, where they, they you know, to get the color of flesh, they literally just put white and then tiny Little red dots. dots. Red. Well, that was in, one of the things know. that I heard uh, a buddy of mine who's one of those insanely analytical film snob types, who, that, that was what his his main argument for Dick Tracy was, which is that mm-hmm. they had CYMK. That's what they had. That's Pretty what they much. printed with. And yet the movie Dick Tracy doesn't give the benefit of the doubt to what they were trying to do. Dick Tracy portrays CYMK. He is bright ass stupid yellow. That's how we're going to do this. Yep. He was probably, he probably had a beige colored trench coat with a beige colored hat in the universe. They were trying to portray with their CYMK. Exactly. But because of what you have, he's going to have a yellow coat. Now, Dick Tracy wore a yellow coat. That was his thing. But it was like neon yellow. Like, it was like, like, it was like yeah. family like, circus. Yellow. Like your, your first piss of the morning yellow. Like it was just, <laughs> it was bright neon yellow. Thank yeah. you, Eddie. I bring the pain. Take a lot of vitamins, do you? I do, actually. The first I never l- noticed that when he blinks his eyes, the light that's cast from his eyes kind of goes out on his forehead for a second. There's all sorts yeah, of weird shit sexy. happening underneath pretty the surface. Stuff. Nice little interactive light. Now, the, these, the newsstand guys, these, this is an extended sequence, yeah. but they were, they were major players in the book. The two Huge. guys in the newsstand. 
Um, and their story does get told. The in this tales movie. of the Black Freighter. Yeah, the and you realize how much they show Rorschach just walking around doing. Well, they this. don't. This is special edition again. Oh, okay. right. um, this is actually this, and I think this was a good choice. Quite frankly, they they've shown him several times, but only these are special edition shots. You don't see that who the, you don't see closely. There, that's the first time you saw him in the original version. Right, is that one look? Well, um, you saw him, but right. the fact that they the show funeral. him over and over and over again, I think, gives away the gag that that's Rorschach. Is it like why do we keep seeing this guy so significantly? Right, um, he's, he's always kind of in the background in the theatrical, but he's never featured the way he is in well, they, these kind of shows. And on the, they show on him the differently, though, in in the book. In the, in the book, they kind of establish him as the crazy guy on the corner, right. and then they keep showing, and him. then they link it. But they never, yeah, then they link yeah. it later on. They never show him just. Feature him as the crazy guy. So on these the guys corner. just walked out from a Joel Schumacher Batman movie. Yeah, yeah. These, like, these, when, when were these ever the, the, street punks like this? this? Is like Peter the Jackson tops. in Bad yeah. uh, in Frighteners. They're like the uh, they're like the they're they're on they're on well, the, they're on the way to uh, you know to, it, to shoot it, the Warriors movie. Well, that's know? what I was gonna say. Is like that you to be completely fair. Like you look at like a lot some of the some of the street gangs of New York of the early eighties had almost a theatrical flair to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like and even dating back to the fifties with like leather jackets that had like the, the dragons on them or whatever. Like there is an element of that. And again, this is just sort of the mutated strain of that. All right, so Eddie, yeah. you, are a, you are or have been a fight choreographer by trade, right? Correct. All right, so tell me what's going on here. Uh, what, what, what kind of, what are we seeing in terms of style? Fight style? Of- okay, here's the deal. Damien Caro started off doing uh, Taekwondo and I think a little bit of Tang Sudo, which is Korean styles. They're pretty, you know, they're, 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 when you think of just like kick and punch in a traditional martial arts sense, this is what you see. He then trained at the the Inasano Academy, which again, Jeet Kune Do um, is Bruce Lee's, not even really a style, more of a philosophy, the idea that you add, you combine, you create something of your own. Uh, influenced heavily by Filipino martial arts, uh, the footwork of fencing, the hands of boxing, uh, and there's you know there's all sorts of little subtle nuances. No, no Jeet Kune Do is the same from where you go. Um, and that's where Zack Snyder met Damon Carroll was at the Inasano Academy. Uh, so what you'll see in this fight is really, it's not pure JKD at all. That is that retarded. Is, that is, that is just retarded. That, okay, that is that is a that's, that's exactly what I was saying in terms of yeah. the gratuitousness. The, the 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 kick she just threw is a very standard um, taekwondo kick. It's not really cham- she doesn't chamber her legs. I will say this: Malin Ackerman does a serviceable job. I, I think as someone, she sells it quite well. She sells it. She's got the intensity. She's got the presence there. That's always first. She's a little too rigid like she she hits it like a dancer hits marks she her lines are good when she kicks like the the lines her body makes are are very good she's just a little a little on the stiff side um dan does a slightly better job being more fluid um yeah again just crazy pretty solid kick if that was dan who threw it and i don't know if it was that was a pretty solid kick. she just breaks this dude's neck like i mean just and uh, why the wire work is where you lose me i've gotten so sick of wire work and i grew up watching kung fu movies that didn't announce itself to me as wire work though oh it it has to be a wire work because no she couldn't do that physically Physically doesn't work that way yeah yeah and that's i mean that's a straight wrist lock but again stabs a dude in the fucking neck right right in the neck this is where you kind of go damn okay Um, overall, the the style is good. There's uh, some some very basic standing joint locks. It's it's I I don't want to say it's plain, but it's it's not unexpected. It, they perform it well. It's blocked well. There's a good flow. Um, you know, is there the, a storytelling to, to fight cinematography and choosing there, a style? There absolutely is. Uh, I, I use the example of Troy. Uh, the fight scene between uh, Eric Bana and uh, Brad Pitt in that I think is A, underrated, and B, that fight tells a story and they barely say a word to each other the entire thing. From the get-go, you could watch nothing else but that movie and you get the sense that, okay, uh, Eric Bana realizes he's not the better fighter. Like uh, Brad Pitt is just literally the best fighter on the planet. They continue to fight, but you know that 
Eric Bana is an intelligent fighter. You get that through the techniques that they use, uh, the progression of the techniques that they use, uh, the, the way they act through you know things like fatigue, things like that. Um, this story, the, the basic story that that fight had to tell is, hey, they're ordinary people. You get more of the little moment where he takes his glasses off and just like gently puts it in his pocket before he murders. 10 people in this scene uh that that delivers everything you need to know about these characters and just they needed to go brutal with that like i said it was a choice Zack snyder made and i i understand why he made it and it it deviates from the book i don't mind it as much but it was more brutal than the book needed to be the book you the book because it takes longer to establish the characters you already get the fact by this point this fight it just needed to be an exclamation mark on okay they're average normal people who also happen to be these walking human weapons now, this is unrelated, and I'm just curious. How do you feel about the Princess Bride sword fight? I love it. I, lo- I absolutely I mean, love it. I mean, that. between the Man in Black and Inigo Montoya. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I absolutely love it. I think it's, as far as like classical fencing goes, I think it's blocked well. I think the moves are good. Um, fencing, you get a little bit of leeway with as far as, because there's a grace to it, and it is very, it is very much dance-like. And just a lot of the postures of, of, of European fencing are very symmetrical. Uh, every time your sword goes forward, your rear hand has to go back. Uh, you see that in like Chinese martial arts as well, in like wushu. Like when you see like a, a Chinese sword thrust, like everything is very symmetrical, everything is very balanced, and visually it's very appealing. Um, but I, I love that fight. I, I think a fight doesn't necessarily have to be. Br- There's no right or wrong way to do it, to go about a good fight scene, uh, as long as it delivers, as long as it's true to the characters, as long as it makes sense to the world, and as long as. It, there's an element of realism there. So does this the Watchmen fight just now portray that? <sighs> not all? not as I mean it, it's co- it's comic book. It is a it is it is, and I think that's sort of the point. It wasn't trying to be a realistic fight scene. I think it was trying to bridge the gap between what we know as a comic booky you know cape superhero fight and people who are just dressed like they just had dinner in a shitty part of town. Uh, that fight kind of needed to bridge the gap between it. There are better fights later on in the movie. Like you get your full on comic book movie at the or comic book fight scene at the very end. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the it's it, it, it does its job well. Uh, I appreciate it for what it is. It's just does it? Do I remember this movie for the fights? No. Right on. You know it's right wing. <coughs> yeah. In your hearts, you know it's right wing. <laughs> the what's interesting about this is is even. The suggestion there, you know, where she she without blinking just stabs a guy in the neck. That, that's very kind of unsuperhero-y, um, and the fact that they've just left this alley full of people like either dead or, or well, wounded, they, they, and they, they don't they, they don't acknowledge that. it. They don't totally like, we should, we should, but yeah, call but an ambulance for these people. Look at it. Look at it structurally. They basically just intercut a, two sequences of two of the most stoic of the superheroes losing their shit between Doctor Manhattan going crazy and and just disappearing. Like screw you guys. And them dropping oh. their pretenses. Well, they, they, they didn't. They didn't lose their shit. They just did what they do. By the, the point, the point of it is like even them, and they're the most like moral grounded of any of these characters. Right. Even they're like, yeah, okay, so kill those guys and moving on. Yeah, they, they just do it indiscriminately with righteous indignation. They just yeah. they just do what they do. You know, By the way, this this my was my pretty. favorite in the book, and this was probably my favorite scene in the movie. This whole the origin story of Doctor Manhattan. Really, mm-hmm. Billy Crudup. It's easy to forget. Billy, yeah, almost famous, actor. almost famous, insanely great. Uh, Inventing the Abbots, uh, by the way. Another little kind of forgotten gem where he he just acts the hell out of it. Um, But yeah, he... Uh, and also, um, God, what was the running movie? Yeah, I know the the, the, the story. I know Tom Cruise produced it. I was going to say this. Pro, say the story, the, basically, the, there's two. Story about the one-legged runner. Right? No, 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 no. Like there's, fish, there's, no, no. It's it's the story of Steve Prefontaine uh, breaking away. No, not breaking. Not away. breaking away. No, hell no. Like um, breaking away is about. about anyway, uh, the story of Pre- Steve Prefontaine. He was a, a Olympic runner. Uh, he had just a very 
unique sort of eccentric personality. Uh, he was coached by the guy who invented the Nike and, uh, you know he he played he just acted the, the missile yeah he just acted the hell out of that and 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 does he brings much of the same gravity here even though it's a largely performance capture uh, role and this is like one of the few times you're actually going to see him in his own skin as it were yeah and another great uh, a great montage you know the sort of you know with a lot of great amazing period decor and now we're jumping back to whatever is it the fifties the forties uh, his name is Wally Weaver 40s. I'm going to go with forties yeah yeah um, you know beautiful uh, beautiful set decoration art department stuff and so on. So I guess there was a ser- there was a story, you know, once again, this could be any amount of true, but that at one point during dailies on the animation side of things, when they were starting to put together Dr. Manhattan, some of the female animators pulled aside a supervisor and said, okay, he's God. <laughs> Please. A little bit bigger, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, he, uh, Dr. Manhattan... Like in the book, God, I can't believe we're talking. We're going to talk about dicks. dicks. We're going to talk about. But all right. Well, I don't, well, I don't understand why well, it's such right. an elephant in the room, sir. Here, here come off my pants. Uh, no, I don't um, get why it's such a big deal. Everyone's like, oh, it's, it's so a not blue a dick. Deal. It's like, well, you know, okay. No, did it, you not know they existed? No, the I, don't, I don't. No, that's not the point. You're talking about the, the girls no, I'm not, who, like, I'm not talking bigger. about you. I'm talking about the fact that so much discussion lost into the fact shit, that yeah. there's so a naked silly. guy in the movie. It's like, well, is there any? Okay, then there was. I, I saw. Let's just move on from the dicks thing. Yeah. I saw there was a, a, a physicist, a physicist who was brought on as a um, consultant and said, "Well, frankly speaking, there have been way more batshit things happen in movies than this. Right? Where if you get, you can, you can yeah. put just the way that waves work. You can actually conceivably." You, you you can this isn't this is bullshit, but it's bullshit where it's like you have to go a little farther than what they show you for it to become bullshit. It's it's bullshit there, but you know, and it's the same thing with Jurassic Park where it's like, wow, everything about that seems to work. I need to test it, and in testing, you'd find out it doesn't work. It's like perpetual motion. Well, I could just make a ramp with a little hole on the top, and this little metal ball is getting dragged up by a magnet, and it goes down the hole, and it comes at the bottom, and it it would just keep going, right? Sure, yeah, I'd go, and then you do a test, and of course, it doesn't. But he was talking about how, and I forget how it was, but. Just the way that the matter exists in waves, if you you can you can orchestrate the the sign that it that it exists in in such a way that when two of them overlap, it splits in a really interesting way. Where representatively, on paper, it's in two different places at once. Where all of a sudden it's like you know, Doctor Manhattan is clearly comic book bullshit, but frankly, it's sort of interesting to think about because it's not. Retardedly bullshit. Well, he's, it's he, just kind of bullshit. It's he's, bullshit he's, grounded in something. Well, he's really a throwback to to classic comic book and movies, Steven like Root. where you get no, that's not Stephen Root. No, no, you get you get a radiate. Like, no. If you get irradiated by a strange, you know, a nuclear explosion or something like that, you become the superhero as opposed to just getting it makes cancer everything and dying. large. Yeah, but uh, but he, he he really is that character. He yeah. really is that uh, that idea. We, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, the original it's story so terrifying disintegration is beautiful. But it's, it's good effects work too. From my, it's really a great oh, great oh. disintegration. Oh! Wow! They, did they embellish that since the direct the, since the original release? That looks, that looks like it's more than the than the theatrical. It does look a little longer. Yeah, that was wow. I think they're probably rushing effects. Now, um, we talked about this a little bit. The um, what happened was DC purchased you know throughout the 60s, 70s, days per- purchased the rights to. Oh, that's oh, so man. cool! <laughs> that thing is awesome, and that's it's again like it's, opening titles to house. Here comes the next one. It's like a few days later. Uh, a and again, skeleton. pretty much exactly from the book that is he's like yeah. slowly piecing himself back together and a lot of the same. Fr- and just like even in the book, the skeleton had like this desperation about him. And uh, that mm. was uh, just such a amazing piece. Now, um, these characters, uh, 
Alan Moore originally, the characters that we're now watching in Watchmen were not the characters he originally intended. Um, DC had purchased the rights to a company called Charleston that had characters such as the Blue Beetle and the Atom, which is what Dr. Manhattan eventually became. DC Comics told Alan, like, no, we actually have plans for these characters to include them in the regular DC universe. So if you wanted to tell your little alternate tale that exists outside of what the the world does you have to create your own characters so he basically just made okay. carbon copies yeah he made carbon copies uh the atom became dr manhattan and um uh uh blue beetle became the night owl the superman exists and he is american <laughs> what a terrifying phrase well, that's actually there was the the classic uh early saturday night live sketch um the, when they used to do this recurring sketch called what if that uh, was the joke of the show was a show where they would dramatize what if this happened in history what if that happened and it and, and they did it it became more and more successfully ridiculous and they also the running joke was all of their what ifs came from this same kid in New Jersey or something like that <laughs> like, today's what if scenario comes from as all of ours do from this one kid who writes in um, and one of them was what if Superman had landed in Germany and then they they, they explore that it's like well Superman you know he he grows up and he becomes Uberman and the and the Nazis win the war and well one of my one of the fav- my favorite graphic this is novels one of the, I believe the few failings of the visual effects in this movie you don't like the t- uh, sequence doesn't work too well for me one of my favorite graphic novels that I've read is one called Red Sun look which, at how undetailed all those pieces are yeah and there's not cartoony. enough of them <laughs> there's yeah. more yeah. parts to there's a tank a, than there's that. more to a tank than that yeah but one of my favorite graphic novels is called Red Sun, which posits what would have happened had Superman landed on the other side of the planet just 12 hours later and landed in Soviet Russia mm, and been grabbed by, you know, the Stalinist or Leninist Russia and raised as, you know, the people Superman, so to speak, and how that would have played out. And that's one of my favorite graphic novels. Um, oh, you, the, probably, you probably uh, read Super, that one. Superman, Red, Red Sun? Sun? Yeah, yeah, I love that one. That and uh, The Nail, which is like, what if... The nail that caused Mom Ooh. Clark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. there are some extra viscera for you, by the way, in the special and edition. I, again, I, what the fuck? Yeah, hey, damn, dude. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Beautiful ceiling, by the way. I love that stamped metal ceiling. Yeah, it covered but, it um, in viscera. Yeah, but uh, see, I, I, I again, I, I kind of like that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I've espoused this before. I've like the. Okay, I guess that's supposed to be Dick Cavett. I, I can't tell, but um, the it's, it's not. It's certainly not though, but. Uh, it's the way I feel about violence in movies, and I, I maybe I disagree with even people in the room. But it's like you know, violence is nasty, awful, ugly stuff, and, and I think movies glamorize it and make you know, like make it too pretty. It's like when you do that to a person, well, their eyeballs come out and their bones stick out to their skin, and they you know, and they shit themselves. I mean, I think you should show stuff like that if you're making a movie that that purports to be for grownups. I, I don't disagree at all with that. I guess for me, it was just you know, you you spend 10 some odd years reading this book and you become very used to certain images and therefore it's not shock. The violence in and of itself isn't shocking. It's just that when it takes such a sharp, uh, like kind of, uh, uh, expansion of what you had envisioned, that's what's sort of like, Whoa, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the, vi- I mean, we've seen far gorier in other movies. That's not, that's not the issue. It's just the issue. It's like, wow, that's of the thing that you, Usually, because when you think of a comic book movie or something especially as graphic as as the book was, you expect them to pull back. You don't expect them to elaborate on it. And I guess for me, at least, that was what I was sort of surprised by was the idea that, wow, they actually pushed some of these themes even further than Alan Moore did. Yeah, I don't have a problem with violence or realistic violence in general. It's just it seems very – the tone is different between what Zack Snyder does and what Alan Moore was doing. It's just a tone issue with me, I think. But you do think that Zack Snyder gets it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just his 
his zombie movie making pokes its right. head out just a couple right. of times, and I think it's I think it's that. At the end of the day, just as much as it's uh, as much as it's Alan Moore's work, as much as it's Dave's Gibb- Dave Gibbons' work, it also has to be. Uh, Zack Snyder's work. There was a, uh, point, a point early on where uh, Alex Say, who was the screenwriter who took over for David Hayter after David Hayter's draft, um, Alex Say, I think, contacted, uh, actually had a conversation with Alan Moore and was said, like, you know, sir, I know you're not exactly, and that's something we'll have to talk about at some point. It's like, I know you're not exactly signed on board with the idea of us making a movie out of it, but believe me when I say my intentions are good. I am absolutely a big fan of your work. It's been an inspiration of my entire life. So please tell me if there's any sort of direction you can give me when I'm doing my draft. I at any point would love to hear it. And Alan Moore was actually extremely humble in this moment uh, and said, no, you know, it's okay. Don't, you don't have to worry about it. Like I wrote, I made my Watchmen. I made my, my work and I'm fine with that. It's now time for you to make your Watchmen and may, and you should bring what you do to it. Uh, so don't, don't feel like you have to come to me for advice. Just do, if you know the book, just, do what you feel is right. I love Mars so much, so much, and I love how we see it here. Do you like this, uh, glass uh, glass clocks, like sea urchins? This huh? is this is a pretty yes. awesome thing. This is a pretty awesome. This whole sequence, I love that shot right there. Yeah, oh, absolutely gorgeous. And exactly as yep. like this is one of those iconic images from the book that when you actually saw it in the trailer for the first time, it's like whoop, yo, oh, kick it out of the park. They got it. Yeah. They got it. If they if you, it's one of those things. If you know they're going to Mars, then you know they're doing something right. right. This is a new scene, by the way. This yeah, is this a is, brand I've not new seen scene before, and uh, which actually leads us to another fight, uh, and actually one of my favorite fights in the movie. Now we the were just talking this about room? this a second ago. <laughs> this is this is pretty much like it's kind of like you can never leave here. So we're going to do our best to make it as comfortable as possible. <laughs> wow. I, I, mean, and I love that line. Basically, he just said, like, you know, basically, he just kind of accused her of, like, not doing her job. And she just put him in his place and said, you, I am not a whore. And that is the closest you are ever going to come. Mm. Wow. I, this, is a, this is a great scene. I have not seen it. He just talked about this a second. And let's go ahead and elaborate on it. Because obviously, Alan Moore is sort of a crazy, stodgy bastard. Right. And didn't want Watchmen to be made ever, and hated. Doesn't, doesn't want any of his movies to be made. I mean, he just got sick of it. And I don't blame. After League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I do not yeah, fucking blame he, him he, at he, all. Was he, that he, the first he, of his works to try to be? No, uh, yeah. I mean technically, well, it, Swamp Thing was never his work that he owned, but he, Alan Moore, kind of became very well known mm-hmm. for his work on Swamp. He Thing. didn't approve of V for Vendetta. He, he didn't approve none of Three Hundred and no. his and his. Name. Oh, he didn't do Three Hundred. Frank Miller did. Oh, that's Frank, Frank Miller. Yeah. Is there but, any uh, argument? He didn't approve of V for Vendetta, and his name is neither on V for Vendetta or, or this, this movie. movie. He just had it. He just said, "I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I don't want to be associated with that." Yeah, just don't put my neo. Is there any amount of hip backlash among comic book fans that that think Watchmen is entirely overrated and it's nowhere near the best thing ever done? And the standard you- percentage. I mean, this, the standard percentage of, of haters that exist in the world uh, are those who exist for for watchmen the comic, like the cross-section um, of comic and, and i don't and like here's the thing like i don't like i said i i very much enjoy this movie i think it's a great movie if we're having a different discussion of is this like is this the ideal cinematic format you would like to see watchmen in uh, you know i mean if i had my druthers i would have let terry gilliam do a 12 hour miniseries on hbo an hour for each issue and even that probably wouldn't have come as close i think if you're going to do a theatrically theatrically released film of Watchmen that plays under three hours, this is the best you're going to get. And, and as a film on its own, I love it. It's just is it is is it like you literally? Have to it and yeah, yeah. Now do you, you have think, to. Ha, where do you place Watchmen in the realm of isn't that, of, of isn't comic fiction? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it's Gator. Look at that. Yeah. Okay, Kissinger's actually pretty good. Kissinger's one of the better. Yeah. ones. So I'll, I'll take it. Back. Okay, and we, but, we and we have our 
Kubrick uh, War Room here. Very much is inspired awesome. by Doctor Strange. It's totally Strange. the Ken Adam it War is. Room. And this, absolutely. And, and, and the War Room that is in the book, because the, the War Room doesn't appear as much in the book as it does here, but it does appear. It looks nothing like this. This is where Zack Snyder took kind of like a yeah. sharp left turn and said, "Nope, this is how we're doing it." We're and do and the, I'm fine with that. We're gonna do the yeah. Kubrick War Room. But yeah. I, I, I love seeing. I love seeing Nick's the real Nick's, not the real, but actually Nixon and actually Kissinger in the Kubrick War Room. Yeah, <laughs> it's so perfect. It's it's, it's it like is. the biggest wish, wish fulfillment that we've ever had. It's like yes, this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It's pretty good. If only they could have got George C. Scott to be the other guy. Uh, <laughs> Just yeah. No there. fighting in the war room. That okay, that's fantastic. terrible. Look at that. What is going on here? Yeah, this is this is the part. Is there is, is there an intention that I'm missing, or is this just poorly done? What by this what, you Nixon's mean? Makeup? Nick, Nixon's huge nose. Yeah, it's it's a little. It's, it's a bit much. Nixon yeah. had a hell of a nose, but uh, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like uh, if this you have, is like Roxanne territory. Yeah, right. If you ever read the the graphic novel The Dark Knight Returns, which uh, we came out around the same time as this, and w- is generally considered the other tentpole of redefining the superhero genre. Uh, real basic rundown the Dark Knight Returns takes place in an alternate timeline where Batman is in his 60s he's retired but he kind of comes back for one last sort of work and it's, it takes place in the 80s in the modern day and uh, President Reagan is still the president and they just make a complete caricature out of him he is like blatantly wearing a cowboy hat and then like when the world <laughs> goes to shit he's like in a containment suit saying like hey folks everything's fine like uh, it's and, morning and in America exactly it's much the same thing as what they're doing here I'm still curious about the fucking nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite something. Well, they did, they did it on purpose. We, we only that's well, as much yeah. as we know. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know who did the makeup for this movie. Play. That's pretty good. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, it's better for your jacket is now drying. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, I don't know who did the makeup for this. We'll have to wait for the credits. I'm not sure who did it. Um, well, wasn't there a story about the makeup in 300 with the guy with the big eye and the the, the hunchback in 300? Where it was done, and then at the last minute they were like, "Just paint it beige." Oh, uh, yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking I've about? Vaguely heard that. that. That sounds familiar, but I don't know the story specifically. Nah. Anyway. Oh, Nixon. Oh, Nixon. <laughs> oh, you Nixon. poor misunderstood. Yeah. I just so saw has, Frost, Frost Nixon too. So that's oh yeah. Like, yeah. Has there been time. any? Uh, statement on Alan Moore's part since the movie came out? No, no, not at all. There was, uh, there was an interview that Zack Snyder did where he said, like, look, I, I, I bear no illusions that I'm going to change Alan Moore's mind. My only hope is that... You'll see it? You know, yeah, my only hope is that maybe one day, ten years from now, oh, he's he'll, be, he'll be bored and he'll pop the DVD in in his little flat in London and he'll watch and go, ah, that wasn't so bad. Alan Moore responded to that and he said, firstly, I don't live in London, never have. <laughs> Secondly, uh, I have no desire to see it. Like him saying like 10 years from now, yeah, here we go, quick little fight, by Ooh, the way. Nice. And that, that just, that's all you need. Like, and that's why I liked it. It's just very efficient and it's sort of like, it's not like this guy can fight. Yeah, exactly. She's just, she just t- she saw an opportunity. She, she took it. That is an example of a fight scene illustrating character. Like she, you get the idea that okay, she's back into the groove of it now. Yeah, she's and like, it's a, it's I'm not going to waste time like doing anything fancy. I want you to write right. down now. And so I would here. argue she looked a little sharper in this one than in the previous one too. And I think that is a nice little subtle character thing if that's indeed what they were going for. Now, um, back to my story of Alan Moore. Alan Moore responded to that and said, first, I don't live in London, never have. Secondly, him saying maybe he hopes one year or one day, 10 years from now, I'll pop in the DVD is like saying maybe one day I'll grow wings and fly. I have no desire to ever do that. And that's simply never going to happen. And so he, and that's very much an Alan Moore thing to say. He's just, he's very blunt in a way. He's almost like Rorschach in a sense that he's, he, he doesn't, he has no filter certainly and, and no idea of self censorship. Yeah. Lee Iacocca. Actually, the Lee Iacocca pers- uh, pretty solid. is pretty good. It's pretty good impersonation. 
Um, this scene didn't work for me. Um, is he gay? I want to know. Tell me right now. I, <laughs> honestly, I don't think so. I, I, but then again, it's not, it's not no, a character he's point. Just, really. He's just clean and well-spoken. It's an easy yeah. mistake to make. His face <laughs> looks like Dory from Finding Nemo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no short-term memory. Well played. Well played. Yes. He, look at him. He does. He's single, keep, tidy, just, and neat. Just keep swimming. Just I, keep I swimming, love just keep this. Uh, I, I love oh, the visual. Yeah, the the Gunga Diner. Yeah. Gunga Diner. Hello. What the hell is that? Ah. It's just like everything, because of the heroes and because of the technology, everything that exists in 85 is just a tad bit bigger and even more 80s. Yeah. I don't remember the Zeppelins we had in 85. It's, uh, however, well, the, that's what I'm saying. Like the superheroes have impacted the Zeppelin yeah. technology. That's <laughs> big deal. Well, there was Zeppelin Man. who Somewhere yeah. along the way, superheroes saved the Zeppelin industry. You know, I, in response to your, to your Alan Moore thing is like, actually, I think Alan Moore, if only more authors and more fans were like that. I right. mean, of course, this movie, you know, this movie... And a lot of people said that you know, this movie was kind of damned if it didn't, damned if it didn't. But the, the people who like, yes, we want you to, to treat every page of Watchmen as if it was, you know, Cannon. gold. Yeah. Um, you know, they weren't going to be happy no matter what you did, even, as, even right. as slavish a recreation as this is. You know, and you'll never find a more slavish recreation of a, of a printed work than this movie, probably. Um, you know, they were going to be unhappy, but then the you know people who came don't know Watchmen, you know, are going to be taking it on its own merits, and there might be places where it's like, well. The people who don't know this story and you know might have been happier if they had deviated more from the novel right. and done something maybe a little more cinematic or changed changed some things a little bit, um, which which they did do. They did. I think the I, I, as much as I love the ending of the novel, I don't know if it would have worked on film or not. I agree. You with know, you. I have no I agree idea. With you. Uh, as do I. I like. Frankly, I like the ending in the film version more than I like the comic book version. Um, in the comic book, I think it works only because. If something nuclear goes off, I think you would still have people going like, yeah, but really we know it was the Americans. Whereas <laughs> yeah. a giant fucking space squid lands on everybody across the world. It's like, okay, that's that's nothing here. Nobody here yeah, did that's, that. That's, yeah, we don't think that. That's the only advantage, the I think. But I think it's also easier. This guy is the same guy who does the uh, bareback burn later on. Wow, that sounded really inappropriate. But, um, <laughs> that's, no kidding. That's, also, it's the same stunt guy. Okay. I, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, you'll... you'll if you watch the... Uh, Ooh, no. God, oh, that's horrible. Oh, in the, oh yeah. right in the... Se- oh, no. That is special, what I'm talking about. That's special yeah. edition. That's, that's the sort of... Uh, the sort of had um, not seen... The, oh, had not seen... By Lee Iacocca. Like, yeah, well, that's what, so that's what happened to Lee Iacocca. Yeah, right. <laughs> Great move here, by the way. Yeah, zinc. Yeah, wow. Ow. Now, this is... You know, again, Vite is, is a representation of, you know... Vite and Vite and Nixon are kind of actually opposite sides of a similar coin here because because you know when you're when you're the president when you have to make these big decisions and you're trying to like save humanity or save even your own just the people within your own country sometimes you have to go yeah let's see let's send some of our guys to go kill a bunch of people and some of our guys will probably die in the process too you have to actually do those things um, Vite just does it hands on that's the only difference between Vite, yeah. Vite. yeah Vite is one of those guys who he, once he realizes what's going on it's not like he's timid about it that, that's it's, like, it's, it's like Gary Oldman's criticism of Harrison Ford in Air Force One is like you know you call me a terrorist but you kill more people than I do you just do it by pushing a red button right yeah. Vite overcomes that, that hypocrisy that criticism by, that he, he pushes the button but he'll still choke you yeah and then he'll, he'll kill you with that and button. he has a line at the end Ozymandias where he, will choke a bitch yeah <laughs> that's right he has that's a line in the end where he says like I've tried to make myself feel to, to bear witness to every death, feel the pain of every person who I, you know, who I murdered. Like he doesn't, he has no delusions about what he's Ozymandias doing. Ozymandias is ultimately the best 
most correct person in the finite realm of things that we can have opinions on and, and understand of anyone in the entire thing. Between him and Dr. Manhattan, they're the only ones. And fittingly, at the end, they're both like, they, everyone else is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And they're both like, yeah. They're, they're the know, ones yeah. who are so far removed that they Man- see Manhattan that this and is Manhattan and both answer. like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Good point, yeah. They but have it, the it, distance away from like the closest yeah. of humanity. They have the distance to be able to see the forest for the, you know, the forest for the trees on that. Yeah. Vite, Vite is actually, he's, he's just like the, he's the operative from serenity. He's yeah. the, it's like, yeah. it's like, I'm, I have to do horrible things to achieve a greater end. Um, I recognize that's what I'm doing. The means may be horrible, but the end is worth fighting for. And I, that's a personal go. sacrifice. And here's another departure from the comic. Yeah. Having to do with what happened with, uh, Rorschach and, and how he became Rorschach or at least the story of him. Um, because in the book, it's, I mean, it's similar thematically and all those things, but in the book, it was a well, different the, thing. The staging of the action is pretty similar. Yeah. But wasn't it, there's w- some minor details there, if I remember correctly. I think, but in this one, doesn't he... He, like, beats him up or something. And the other one, he chained him to a stove. That's, and, so, that's later. Killed him with that's a, a flashback. That's, yeah, that's a... Then what, I mean, the, the flashback scene... Oh, where, is that not what we're doing right now? Yeah, that's not what we're doing right yeah, now. The flashback is... scene is actually exactly as in the book. This yeah. is something different. Hello... This movie actually, it's funny you bring up uh, Serenity. It looks like Serenity. It's got the same color palette. Very, very deep blacks. Lots of black on the lots screen. Lots of purple. It's not hope, and is also, it? Oh, and there's some new boobs. That's <laughs> yeah. a brand new thing. And also yeah. lots of your, your really intense cyans and yellows and purples. As an editor, I always try to transition to another scene with just tits. <laughs> giant <laughs> just giant <laughs> tits. Um, didn't work so well on uh, The Bachelor, but... <laughs> well, you can try. You know, the... the the idea of the the when you're adapting a book for a movie, do you do you slavishly slavishly stick to the book or whatever? Um, another, there's a good Goldman story about that because Goldman did the adaptation of Absolute Power, I believe it. Yeah, is. yeah. Um, Absolute Power is Clint Eastwood movie. Um, Secret, it's, Secret Service. It's about it's about it's yeah. about the it's about the uh, it's about the guy who accidentally. The rob is is a is a he's a robber. He's robbing a house. He accidentally witnesses the president kill a, a woman. Um, and then he's on the run from the Secret Service the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the, the character in the book, he has this whole thing where he's estranged from his daughter. And, and he's always – the thing that, that, that really drives him is the fact that his daughter thinks he's a terrible person. And he's, he's just – it just – you know. and in the book, he never, never encounters his daughter. It's just a, it's a character thing for him. The, the, the daughter's not in the book. Um, the daughter is in the movie. Which seems like a huge departure, and it is. Um, William Goldman talks Here's about when Rorschach's it, Shia LaBeouf moment. Beautiful. Well, no, 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 no. Goldman was adapting the story, and uh, he, you know, he was he was agonizing over it because like, he said, "I want, I want, I want this guy to go because of all these events. I want him to go, have to go to his daughter and ask, you know, ask because his daughter to help him, even though he doesn't want to get her involved and she hates him. He has to go to her, um, and but I can't do that because it's not in the book. And a screenwriting buddy of his says, "Screw the book. The book is what's fucking you." Tell your movie. You have to write a movie. You know, the it's movie a, is not the book. It's a very Either tricky that, line to walk. Write a screenplay about how you were asked to adapt a book and it was too hard. Exactly. Right. So, so that's why the you know the book, uh, the movie of absolute power has you know I believe it was Laura Linney played the part um, has this daughter character who is in no way in the book whatsoever. It's a huge departure from the book. Um, Goldman's point is sometimes yeah you got to say fuck the book. It's a yeah. movie. It's a different art form. It's a different way of storytelling. It's a very tricky line to walk, and I have a great respect for anybody who. Any Perhaps. writer who takes on an ad- adapting a novel or it is. and this hard. scene right here, I think, is a great example of that because this is actually Hi. where the scene Herm that great little Herm. <laughs> this is a scene that I actually think benefits from the filmmaking genre because 
in in the book, yeah, the police raid. He does pretty much the exact same thing with the with the the hairspray and the matches. But the tension building up into you know breaking down that door and and Rorschach doing all this that's something that can only happen in a film medium uh, not that it can only happen but because there's only so much information they can deliver Ow. into yeah that sucks yeah. uh this is actually a pretty good fight scene this is pretty good pretty efficient pretty economic there's a good economy of motion that Rorschach does no wasted movements uh, he's not doing anything that doesn't take any more energy than he needs it to, and he he does it very quickly. And there's a, a solid progression, a solid thought process. Uh, when choreographing a fight scene, you always want to think like, okay, if I was in this situation, I had to do this, and I had the ability to plan out my perfect attack. How would I do it? Again, with this, this is a pretty standard thing. He's taking hits, but he's 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 going down swinging. He's taking hits as he's still fucking everybody up. And right here, when he gets feral, that's when they catch him. So that's, I love this. This is so intense. Yep. My face, <laughs> and that's such a great, another iconic thing from the panel. Yeah, a yeah. great God, illustration so of character. Jackie Earl fucking Haley, so good. I can't yeah. wait for. Uh, he's even new Freddy. It's funny because I don't know if it's an actor thing or a motivation thing or just a context thing, but Christian Bale get, gets thirty percent of the mileage out of the scruff voice yeah. that Jackie Earl Haley does. <laughs> yeah. Not only does he do it better, I think. It makes sense with, with, with what Rorschach's doing, and I hear him do it, and it doesn't seem – clearly it's hyper-affected, but it doesn't seem wrong or out of place. The, the and re- Batman is just this joke. We've talked voice. about that because we, we know that Batman's doing it on purpose because you know that's not his voice. This is Rorschach's voice. Rorschach just sounds talks. like he's pissed off at the fact that he has to talk. Yeah. The fact that I have to say words is just it – just, it's a waste of fucking time. And so he, he, he like just barely pushes those words out of his throat. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes he doesn't even speak in complete sentences. He's, he's, yeah. He talks in this very robotic... Fragments. Doesn't and use, just, doesn't yeah. use articles. So again, the, again, economy and efficiency in everything the, he does. The bare minimum to survive. Yeah. And, this, and what's great about this performance here is the, just the look of disdain he has from this man across from him. <laughs> yeah. Just like this, he has... He will ne- nothing this man across from him will do will ever cause him to have any respect for him. Fun fact, it totally, a bit of a non sequitur, but at least it's something on screen. Fun fact about Rorschach tests. Um, Rorschach tests, the actual, they're, you know, actual Rorschach tests um, are not random ink blots that the, that the psychiatrist get and went, eh, here's some ink blots. They are standardized blots. The images are standardized. They exist. You yeah, buy the them. the point is that they and, can use it as a neutral where whatever someone says about this, we can compare it to what they're supposed to think. And, and, and therefore, because the, because the actual Rorschach test is used, you know, has a standard set, um, you can actually study for your Rorschach test. There, there are, the answers are there. There are, if you want to seem normal, then these are the answers you should give. And if you want to seem batshit crazy, these are the answers you should give. Um, it's like, it's like, Close. you know, it's like number, number seven is like, if you say anything other than a bat or a crab, then something's wrong because it looks just like a bat and a crab. So, so it's and that's like, the joke here. Yeah. So, so it's like, there's literally, it's like information available, how to study for your Rorschach test, which obviously a Rorschach somewhere along the line. Same kid who plays young Leonidas in 300, by the way. Yeah, well, the funny thing about Rorschach is Rorschach knows what they're supposed to be looking for. Right. He's not even trying. He's just like seeing you know, a bunch of pretty flowers. You know, he's just and, like totally and before like, he's a hardened is, like vigilante. Here's he some does, nasty, here's some nasty he, yeah. violence here. This well, is what this I, movie. Takes the guy's ear off, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he just bites cheek, cheek off. Cheek, even gnarly. worse. What is it with Zack Snyder and his fucking black blood particle squirts? I think it's also a very comic book thing as well because black shows up in uh, part of the comics code is that they had a thing against blood, so they actually colored blood black so that it. It didn't offend Wait, the comic sorry, censors. The comics code? 
Yeah, that was a big oh, thing. Yeah. That, oh, dude, oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. only recently have they like has Marvel abandoned the comics code, but there was a thing where uh, you know the after the Seduction of the Innocent came out, which was a book basically talking about the dangers of of comic books and corrupting your youth in like the was it late fifties, early sixties, something like basically that. Basically, before yeah. video games came along, the yeah. thing that was destroying our society was comic books exactly. and rock and roll and, and rock, rock and roll. roll. Uh, and because so because of that. Uh, they said, like, they set up the, the comics industry, the pub, the major publishing companies set up, like, a self-censorship thing called Approved by the Comics Code. So that way, if a parent saw the comic, said Approved by the Comics Code, it meant it did not have X, Y, and Z. It was a very early rating system before Hollywood movies were even rated. This... Well, be- before Hollywood movies were rated, there was the, there was the production code. Exactly. There. Yeah. The Hayes Code. The Hayes right. Code, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is... Uh, another really like Alan Moore tells origin stories in such a beautiful like shorthand and and when it translates in any way through this movie that's where like the the characters really get their moment to shine now I haven't checked out the, the, the there's an ancillary Tales from the Black Freighter the, the, yeah I've they, they, they made an animated film out of yeah. that story is that right narrated by Gerald, uh, Gerard Butler nice um, now I remember I, I really enjoyed the Tales from the Black Freighter uh, part of the book um, that the there's some images in that that it's still like <laughs> whoa that just I think about them now and they freak me out and it's like yeah those um, sharks and like the, yeah it's yeah. great stuff um, that's essentially an allegory if you're not familiar in the comic book uh, there's scenes where um, it shows a newsstand and a kid who's basically reading this comic book for free without purchasing it. He just comes every day to read it and it's called tales of black freighter and essentially about a, uh, a captain of a ship and really bad things happen. And you read that story and it's very much a parallel to Osmandius and sort of the journey that Osmandius makes to get to be the person he is. So this is a pretty uh, nasty scene. Yeah, it's, and, it's, uh, this is a, this is, you know. This is another moment where the air went out of the theater. Once they recognized that those were little girls' panties in a fucking stove, people in the audience were like, "Like, okay, two hey, strikes. This yeah, is like, I can't. Yeah, and we had a couple walkouts in, in my is, screening. This is way too real for what yeah. I came to the movies for. I was expecting Spider-Man. Where's the yeah. pithy jokes? Like There's a character called the comedian. I haven't <laughs> yeah. laughed once. I like it when buildings <laughs> explode but no one actually of- dies reverse mirror image of Spider-Man. And the problems that I have with Spider-Man on the, on the fantastic down-in-front commentary for it were things like, this is just, it's like the opposite of trying, essentially. <laughs> I mean, when you boil down everything that was said about Spider-Man, and many people enjoy it, Brian's a huge fan of Spider-Man 3. Oh, two. Two is the one that I loathe that the rest of the world loves for some reason. The, but the, anyway, yeah. When you boil down my problem with Spider-Man, it basically comes to, none of this even no kinda not really, no. Like it's it's entirely implausible. It's all, fake. It's all it's, inhuman. It's a tissue soaked with implausibility. It's absolutely none of it. Aesthetically, thematically, structurally, personally, grammatically, grammatically <laughs> ecumenically, makes sense even kinda. And this movie is sort of the opposite of that, where it's the hyper realistic portrayal of you want a guy in a suit, you want 1985 with Richard Nixon and his going on to his fourth term in office. You re- <laughs> okay? Here we go. This guy hates you. This guy hates you. This guy kills people. This guy just rapes people. It's like... It's the opposite of the well-lit laboratory in Spider-Man, where it's like this insanely bright, shadow-free environment where the giant plastic equipment is used to create Harry Osborn's whole... It's like, none of that. No, not even kinda. It's just, it aggravates me, the level to which it's entirely implausible and such... It's like a stage play... It's like a moonlight stage play of a, of a superhero movie. Right. And this is just like, for those that like Seven, <laughs> yeah. and who people who like, yeah. 
I like, you loved Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. You'll love The Watchmen. I like I like Seven. I just didn't think it had enough spandex in it. Right. So, uh, you know. Now, by the way, we're about to enter into an extended version of the scene. Oh, really? Oh, okay. oh, oh. yes. Oh, well, then, jeez. Uh, so, you know what I would love to see? It's a pretty hardcore scene in the original version. I would love to see Sister, Spider-Man. Sister, nothing yet. <laughs> really? Okay, then. Uh, well, then. All right, well. Well, this is it. really interesting. There's a lot of subtle, like, character work from Jackie Early Haley here. You can see just sort of, like, this seething, uncontained rage underneath that mask, and that's yeah. a real credit to to his performance here. Is that, and, and the he's animators, because that is a CG yes. mask. The but entire just, film, it's a CG mask. The, like, the physical movements of his head, you can tell he's just vibrating with a rage he has never known before. Yeah, that he's, he's He thought he had seen and, it all. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if Spider-Man happened upon this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man would have puked in his little yeah. pink panties if, yeah. he, if he, would, he came upon yeah, Honestly, He wouldn't know who to, who to, who to subdue. It's like, uh, I can't pick a winner in this one. He wouldn't know what quick witticism. And there we are. Well, this, but this is still original. So right. So. Yeah, so far so good, right? bad p- particle blood. Uh, that, yeah, now. I would agree with that. Men get arrested. Dogs get put down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you thought we were done. <sighs> nope. Again, still, the- nope. still theatrical. Nope. Not done. Nope. Yep. Not done yet. There we go. Now we're talking. Oh. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Oh, that was terrible. That was good stuff. And you can see little flashbacks of that barely contained rage and sadness and just like the way his eye trembles. Oh, he's yeah. so yeah. good. Beautiful. Man. Well done, Jackie. The little, I mean, his eyes like these little twitches. When they shot this, like obviously he had eye cutouts for his mask, partially for so he could see where he's going, but also so that the animators used his eyes as like a reference of how the ink should behave. Um, Interesting. And, yeah. So it allowed, and you'll, and, and yeah, clearly, makes sense. it does. And clearly, there's an existing commentary track on this disc that can illustrate that point better than I, but I think it's just worth mentioning because. Yeah, screw that track. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That. They're not drunk that? on that track. But, yeah. you know, one of the. <laughs> drunk one of the. Uh, Dew, that's what I've been having. One of the worst things you can do for an actor is to take away their eyes because all of our emotion and all of our soul, so to speak, lies in our eyes. And right. To be able to convey emotion and behavior convincingly without the use of your eyes at all is oh, a very tough Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, my, my God. My favorite single... <laughs> this is great. The best line. Yes. The best yeah, line, best which, line. which doesn't exist in, in this scene. Yeah, it doesn't actually... In the book, it doesn't originally exist in this scene. It existed downwind a little bit. Uh, but I felt like, as far as the compression goes, where we have to overlap you know, dialogue and scene elements, there was no more better scene to put that line in than yeah. here. Beautiful, beautiful moment. And again, efficiency, economy. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, well, I, I love. I love and why not? Just to make sure. Just fuck it. Just, just uh, to make sure. And he just sits there and. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a, that's a movie reaction. It's like, oh, I'm burning, right. so I'll yeah, freeze. Yeah, so, so I'll touch my face. That's burning here, 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 with my here, here, hands here. that are burning. But this is a beautiful line. And his voice. Yeah. God damn. Sound is off in the down and still get chills. And we're all having chills right now. It's still intense. Like, damn, that guy. Jesus. That guy is a motherfucker. Screw you up. There's an idea that a theme that is certainly present in the book and and in the dream sequence you see it, but the idea of the costume being a second skin. The costume being, in a sense, the true skin. Uh, and, And that's been talked about before. You know, Batman begins, like, you know, no, Bruce, this is your mask, your actual face, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's, it's essentially, this was like the first comic book that introduced that idea of, well, what is the mask? What is the reality of it? Um, I, I'm, I've always fascinated by stories of identity and the idea that in comic books, you can reinvent identity by being a costume superhero. You know, where, where does the line end? These are all things that are interesting to explore and you can kind of trace all those themes back to this. 
Well, this this these characters illustrate that more than anyone else. It's like you know these two characters clearly should be these characters. They they should be these superheroes. I mean, the fact that they can't get it up, you know, they can't they can't they can't consummate their relationship until they put on their rubber suits and gone and put out a fire. And consummate they do. Yeah, and consummate they do in a big fight, <laughs> literally with a massive fire. They uh, consummated the shit out of it. They did, and that's a great scene that we haven't even gotten to oh, yet. I see. Oh, we'll really get to it. Yeah, but. Um, but uh, you know that's it's very much about these two people. It's like these that that is who they you know that is who they really are should be you know and they're not being allowed to. It's against the law for them to be themselves right now. They can't put on their costumes. In the book, wasn't she stuff. trying to light a cigarette? That's what she's, no, she, no, she, she says. No, no, she no, she actually hits. She actually hits the yeah. She was trying to light her cigarette, but she still hits the flames for her button. And yeah, she was that's what she says. I don't lighter. think they sh- they show it again. They don't show it. the like little cigarette crack pipes. They're like these little. It's like a little glass stick with a ball at the end that they put a wad of tobacco in and then they smoke it. But it totally looks like a crack pipe. And I think th- there's a lot that Dave Gibbons brings to it. Uh, I was talking about this earlier before we recorded, but if you ever read the original script to the comic book of Watchmen that Alan Moore writes, it is the most bizarre, brilliant stream of consci- consciousness run on sentence that just goes on and on and on. And it, 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 I liken it to All Quiet on the Western Front, where if you read the book All Quiet on the Western Front, he'll have this awesome combat scene, and they'll be like, words, words, words. They can never describe what the actual horror was. It was horrible. It was ah. And Alan Moore kind of does that in his own writing, where he's like, this is this is going to blow your mind. It's going to punch you in the gut. It's going to, you know, it's just, he, he, he has to set the mood for the feeling he's going for just as much as like the dialogue and the, and the scene description. You have never seen anything, any drawing as amazing <laughs> as this. And meanwhile, David Gibbons is going, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> well, and I, I don't want to paraphrase in a way that makes Alan Moore seem self-aggrandizing or egotistical. He, I mean, when you read it, you get what he's trying to do. When you you absolutely understand what he's going for, he he communicates his idea. He just does it in an extremely unconventional way. You mean a batshit crazy way? He is batshit crazy. He looks like. He looks. If he was an American, he'd look like an American that plays a lot of EverQuest. Uh, he wears like <laughs> kind crazy, of kind of like a Ted Kaczynski thing. He, he has, like, he he has, has like Rasputin. Yeah, he, like, he, he, yeah Rasputin is exactly it. He is a no bullshit practitioner of chaos magic. What that means, I have no idea. But him and Grant Morrison have had many. Another comic book writer who's also a little on the crazy side have many conversations about all sorts of stuff. Uh, but yeah, he he's he's out there, man. His latest comic book was a thing called. Um, I figure what it is, but essentially taking characters like Cinderella, Snow White, and Princess uh, or Sleeping Beauty, and making them in you know, making a porn comic book where there are fucking dudes in it. Um, so really out there, really interesting stuff. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, really out there, brilliant, but out there. This I also didn't like. It's just it's 1985, and you know the interior computer is very much an 85 computer, and now we're in like technology we don't even have yet. <laughs> yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's a. It's basically a fighter plane kind of heads-up yeah, display. Head yeah, but the fact that she held up her hand, the th- the heads-up yeah. display scanned her fingerprints and said, "Oh, it's you, Lori. I am yeah. Visor." You well, know, yeah. like, well, welcome. That, well, for that matter, <laughs> a little you know, paperclip pops down. If you're going to get into that, then, then <laughs> Arch- Archimedes is in you, no way. Are you trying <laughs> to fight crime trying today? Trying yeah. Yeah. Archimedes <laughs> is in no way aerodynamically viable. That thing can't Fuck possibly no. fly. No. But it's awesome and it's bad. Uh, totally. And I so, understand. You know, there's there's again. I think I I put that down to that's that's more Manhattan technology that's infiltrated the 80s. Now, lovely lady, but in this movie, kind of a slut. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Is there a superhero she doesn't? Well, she is her mom's daughter, so right. there you go. So. And she's kind of she's kind of into talking to the comedian when she's a teenager. I know that's a, whoa, yeah. creepy, creepy much. Yeah, 
And in the one of the interviews, Malin Ackerman kind of acknowledges that she's like she's irrespectively drawn to the comedian for reasons she does not know yet why. Yeah. And which and is well, like, she's fortunately she finds out soon enough. Before yeah, it in gets time. too weird. She's like the rest of them. She's a fetishist, so she's in this world of things that turn her on. You know. Yeah. I mean, and the Silk Spectre costume, both her mother's and hers, are extremely fetishistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll say. Even like, mm. is it fair to draw a distinction between one costume and another and say one is fetishistic? You mean the giant owl versus the latex garters? I mean, yeah, the latex yeah. garters. Really when the, you get right down to it, with the combat sexy snaps. Like, I, I mean, I, there's just, I mean, Night Owl at the end of the day has function, and there's like a function to the form and the style. Uh, and and yeah, the the fascination with mythology and and all that stuff plays into it. Same thing with Osmandius. Osmandius is that's one thing that didn't really translate from the book was Osmandius's sort of obsession with Egyptian culture. Yeah. yeah. Which is where we get Bubastis from. Bubastis, yeah. The, the, the Which Teague apparently hates. Yeah. He, oh, I just the, didn't the, get the, it. The Uberlings. Yeah. Well, she's, the, there's more Bubastis in the book as, as many things. And the fact that he creates Bubastis out of pretty much nothing sort of like infers that he can create a giant squid. Yeah. She's, mm. she's genetically engineered. She's a, she's, a, she's a mythical Egyptian beast that he's made real. So, so it, here seems we go. To, it seems to me like she could be trying a little harder. <laughs> I don't want to be too obvious or, in, or, or you know, obscene, but frankly, I don't know, Dan. Could you be more? You're, blue? you're going on 45 seconds into it now, and you, you clothes are on, kind of just hanging out, eye humping. I'm not like I'm not instantly right. going to go to the point where Night Owl just can't get it up unless he's in a suit. It's more like this chick is sort of like ready. She- well, she hasn't pulled out the last line of defense. There is no. a defi- there, there yeah. is, there is a, and she she's there's been one with more a gun in the arsenal. She's been with a weird blue guy for a decade right. or whatever it's been too. So maybe she's lost a couple of skills that she needs to pick up again. Yeah. Another scene from the book. I that guess I, Dan's just kind of you know he's a little bit self self conscious. Right. That his dick's not going to taste like batteries. Another yeah. another another like bit from the comic book, which it actually plays that scene out quite a bit more, and and like it shows them throughout the night, like with the, and it does it by the same framing of the panel, but different shows on the TV ending with like the flag that goes up at like two in the morning and they're, they're trying and then they kiss and then they just kind of gently fall asleep together. It's, it plays really sweet. It's like, a, like an older couple and it, it was always sort of very touching to me. This, however, not touching <laughs> <laughs> the owl fella. Nice little pull, nice pullback. Yeah, pull the, uh, that was actually bars. an impossible shot that just happened right there. They also like, did that in the cemetery earlier. Yeah, that was the, that was, that was also a wonderful impossible shot. Sort of oddly, not I'm sort of oddly fine with that. Yeah. Um, I'm okay when it's when it's when it's kind of kind of strangely subtle that way. The, I don't the, mind. The it. majority of those bars are real. There's just a hole kind of cut in that centerpiece right. that they pulled the camera through. Right, but that's a pain in the ass because there oh, it yeah. is. It's still there and it's still there and it's still there, and they have to match it the whole time. I mean, that's a that's a that's a lot of work to get off a shot that people kind of go, "Wait, what just happened? Did I just see that?" Well, it's similar to the um, the earlier shot where the camera pulls through the, yeah, through the, the cemetery, cemetery sign exactly. Okay, now at this point, I admit, I had no idea what the fuck. Like, not even kind of. And that's, that's how it is in the book, too. You turn the page and literally... Yeah, you're like, what? Wait, what? 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 what happened? What's going on? I didn't even see a little caption that says, the next day. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they went to the Serengeti, and they had sex. And originally, they're not, in, they're not naked in the book. Originally, they're in just like their Dan and Laurie clothes. Yeah. Uh, but they, Zack like, Snyder said, like, well, if we can have them naked, why not? But I think it works well as well. That just it's it's wow, effect wise. Wow. Okay. And man, that's gross. Yeah. That's not bad. It's a, it's an amazing uh, 
shtick as it's like you know that weird gooey interior. so what's the point of this i'm assuming this is symbolic the point of this is they're not they're not who they are unless they are those who the superheroes sure but and, why are they the, doing it this way dude I, the I fire like, doesn't light unless well, they're wearing the costumes that's 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 certainly a very valid like reading of that i always took it to mean if the world is going to end like we are afraid it's going to, then why not do it in our original skin? Let's go and then you kind of get bare bones the skeletons. It's like an, almost like an Adam and Eve type thing, you know. Yeah. It's like it's it's like okay, if we're going to go out, let's go out on our own terms, which is as us. Now we recently did Terminator Two, and that, that there's a, there's a digital version of what actually is a more superior effect done practically in Terminator Two, but it's still a good shit. It's a good scene. I always felt like Patrick Wilson needed to be a little bit more out of shape for this because the idea is how he's let himself go a little bit. And he has, in the book, Dan has a bit more of a gut to him, which, yeah. you know, uh, I felt it's, it's a is, subtle thing. This, is, this, this qualifies for, in, in movie world, this qualifies for being out of shape. <laughs> well, that's the yeah. problem when you're shooting a movie. Is you're at, It's the same with uh, Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man. You have to get in shape for one section of the movie, but... If you then have to be out of shape for another section, you can't. It doesn't. It's not really practical. You know, you know what did a really crazy job of that recently was Into the Wild because uh, Emil mm. Hirsch the, in the story he has to kind of get himself in shape to go to Alaska, and the the movie is kind of told out of you know sequence. Uh, you can't. He's always in Alaska, and it kind of flashes back to these different periods, and he ends up dying of starvation. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Starvation and poisoning. And po- yeah, he kind of self-poisons himself. With, it's like poison. a poison. Oh, Trey, fuck. <laughs> it's kind of like a poison that leads to starvation. And, and and when you see him, like, just emaciated, but still in good shape. Okay. Like, uh, well, moment of silence, because fetishistic or not, damn. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is iconic as fuck. Yeah. I'm sorry. And her costume, of course, makes no sense at all if you're going to go out and fight crime. Yeah. But forget it. Damn. Okay, never mind. And that's it, a solid Night Owl costume, yeah. I gotta believe. Yeah. His costume's great, but here she comes. Ladies and gentlemen, and there's, there's a reason why this is what you saw in the trailer over and over again. Yep, John Trump, he goes, man. fuck. Now, come on. Yeah. It's a and you hear outfit. a tiny little dink from fucking yeah. getting boner in his armor. Yeah, exactly. High heels and long hair. I know, not good for martial arts. Eddie, you can probably expound on that at the time. I can't even like it. comprehend that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean... But fit, what the hell? Come well, on. I mean, Why the, whole, the whole mechanics of like throwing anything, punch or kick... It completely and yeah, I don't care when I watch this. That doesn't factor into me when I watch it. I don't like yeah. it's not right. Exactly. No, I mean, it does. It doesn't bother me certainly. But if you're asking if it's possible, hell to the no. There's a very sexy shot too coming up here. The one when she she moves across and frames herself in the other window is just a beautiful. Yeah. There's this. Here's she comes there the first time, but this, it's the second time is is just a just a beautifully framed shot. I don't know what about it. it's so magical, but it's a. It's I do a nice like that. Nice Dan's shot. like cheeks are a little bit puffy in that mask. Yeah. In the special features yeah, of this. See, she's getting off. She's getting off already. Yeah, already she's getting like, into it. Yes. Yes. Bring it. I will say if you have the special features, of, or if you have this disc, watch the special features. There's a great little behind the scenes moment where uh, Zack Snyder is telling Dan how he wants him to pilot you know, Archimedes. And he's saying like, yeah, so when you get to that point, just yank back to throttle. And, and there's like a little pause and, Dan, and Patrick Wilson goes, well, Millennium Falcon, they went forward <laughs> like that. And they just kind of like sit there and like scratch their heads at it. Like it's just... Uh, <laughs> hmm. I don't know anything about Patrick Wilson, and now I love him. <laughs> now this is go. this was a point of contention: the fact that the Night Owl had uh, machine guns. He's got yeah weapons. He's got weapons yeah. on his and ship. And the, the the patented Zack Snyder slow mo of the brass rolling away. Yeah, you, know, you see that in Dawn of the Dead. A he lot. even has a little yeah. brass catcher. It's very nice, which is practical. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, he he said he added that specifically for a reason because he just he felt like it should have that. He wanted to shoot things. Pretty much. Yeah. All right, fair enough. This, this landing is like, oh, here's. 
Among what? among all the things that people criticize this movie, Eddie and Trey and Brian, what do you feel are the ones that are adequate criticisms? Like, well, yeah, frankly, and, and you have to do this with the understanding that in this universe, Watchmen has to be less than three hours long and sell in movie theaters. But that being said, what are honest, kind of well, fair things to criticize about this movie? Malin Ackerman's acting? Although right now, I don't have so much of a problem with it. I think so much more I, with her <laughs> jaw than her I acting. I like her. But I that's think okay. she's fine in acting. Well, so some of this the movies she's serviceable, but then uh, is that Jesus? <laughs> uh, no, baby, Jesus it, doesn't actually do anything. Uh, when she ends up on Mars and they have that conversation, she has that conversation with Doctor Manhattan. That that, that part, work. that part, I don't buy at all. Um, but well, it's, that's also it, a very tough scene. It so. could, yeah, exactly. She's, she was in a room full of green dots. You know, right? <laughs> it's like it can be hard. I, I don't think it didn't stop Natalie Portman from like rocking out. Yeah, it kind of yes, did. It, did. <laughs> yes, it, did. <laughs> it stopped. It stopped all those actors who normally are quite good from rocking out. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with a lot of the choices they made. For me, it's more of just like an allocation of resources of time, like of, of what they choose to spend time on. There's a couple things I wish they would have spent a little more time on. Uh, specifically just some of the kind of like character moments I think especially with Osmandius I felt like if he's going to be our essentially our antagonist we needed to get a little bit more time with him and the scenes that we do get time with him I don't really feel like we got the his we got him at his best we didn't get like sort of the meat of what makes him tick and sort of like what forms his worldview we see how the comedian comes to be we see how Rorschach comes to be Right now, we're seeing a lot of these two. Yeah. Um, and we'll see more in a minute. Yeah, we're going to see yeah, all of them. But, in a but <laughs> for Osmanius, I, I, brought, I brought up honest criticisms at this moment for a reason. Right. Because otherwise, four dudes staring at like a at, crazy long sex scene set to Hallelujah. Um, I, I think that's not, actually not considered like quite normal. Not a romantic version of Hallelujah. No, the original. Straight up Leonard Cohen Hallelujah. Yeah. Which I, well, I will say though, I just saw Leonard Cohen at Coachella a couple months back doing Hallelujah, and it was like seriously one of the most romantic like moments I've Of course, this makes me think of Shrek. Yeah, that song makes me think yeah. of Shrek, which yeah. feels but a now, totally wrong image to be thinking But now, come right. on, guys. If we were in this situation... Wouldn't God you be singing Hallelujah? I would be. I'd be. I yeah, would but be. I would be well, singing this I've got my own right, spaceship. And, and it makes it, sense. You know, it's totally Hallelujah. Right. It's the release they've been looking for. They've found no, themselves. Not, they, it, you know. it's, it's not the song. It's the, it's the iteration of the song. Right. It's Leonard Cohen's song, but you know, Leonard Cohen's version of the song hasn't been in a movie ever and kind of for Except a Except for Shrek. It wasn't his That was the Wainwright cover. The Rufus Wainwright And Jeff Buckley's version was on the West Wing. I mean, there's all these variations that have been floating around. Which the West Wing version is the one that the guitar is my, my favorite. The sparse guitar version. So your point is this is yes. not good, or what are you saying? Well, it's just it, this. This plays as a huge joke. It, I don't it, think it plays as a joke. It comes off. I, it, it feels like it has a joke. You maybe I don't get it. I, I, the audience I don't get the joke. If it's a, the entire time. If it's they're a laughing comfortably because they, they were seeing titties for like a long time in a close up of his boot. Of I don't think that's it. They weren't laughing in Titanic. No, I I think that was. I think the music does convey a sense of. Humor too. I think it's it's an I, ironic I the, joke, like much much of the rest of it. I well, think. the the fire gag is in is in the uh, the comic book, and I think that is the only sort of like comedic release of it. Yeah. But I look at the scene, and I I think it's not a gag. <laughs> oh, I look at the scene, and I think it's it's okay. These two people, they get it now. They finally like they realize what they've been missing, and it is sort of like a hallelujah moment. She's still got it's, her high heels on. Hello. It's beautiful. It's just, it's Meanwhile, such a bizarre, burn guy it's such a bizarro thing to hear all of a sudden. Oh hey, Leonard. At the time, I will say at the moment, it was like, that's a choice. Here we go. Here's okay, the, here's here the fire burn. Here this is fire burn. so nut bar. It's beyond. See, right no, here's I, I assumed lit. it was digital, but I guess that no, would be very hard yeah, to you do can, digital. If you I look closely, that. you can see a little bit of the sheen of the gel. Yeah. I know. Uh, it was, I saw it was yeah, right, right there. right at camera, but yeah. yeah. And yeah, right now he's getting put out. Like, you literally see the fire, the reflection of the firelight go out. Yeah. 
So here we this go. This is here. another everything worse. It sucks. I mean, it's great character creation, but it sucks because you want to you want to hate what Warshak believes, but at the same time, he's such <laughs> he's, an awesome badass. So yeah, right. you can't help but admire him. He, he walks the walk. You gotta yeah. give him credit. Another, you, you hate his talk, but he yeah. walks it. Yeah. Another sort of Zack Snyder uh, trademark is having his actors do kettlebell lifts in between takes. Like literally in the corner of that set are two thirty-pound kettlebells that Jackie Rahaley just fucking. It's actually very. It's, it's very song. common. It's I've the yeah. I, we we, I, we did it on to get the, to get the arms pumped to make sure pump. to make them look buffer. You you have to you have to be in shape to make it work. But we were we did it on arc. You know, Adam yeah. Adam yeah. would Adam would pump up. Uh, well, I told before. Amy to do that in Pink Five. Like I yeah. had Amy kind of I had Amy kind of do a couple of things. Like I had her I had her stretch certainly, but like before I take, yeah. I would have her do a couple of pushups. This is another way of doing it as opposed to lifting. This right, right. You could do it this way. Now this moment after where they just kind of hold on him, yeah. So there, it's like that's gross. not just not necessary. And he goes over. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I, I will say this: many also, things aren't necessary. In addition to having a, a, okay. a very strong sensibility and such a great badass line there, but in addition to having a strong sensibility of fight choreography, uh, Zack Snyder understands the importance of like physical fitness. Um, for three hundred, he hired some of the guys who created CrossFit, which is sort of like a a new approach of fitness. Instead of just lifting weights or doing other things, it's more about things that involve the whole body. So it's like weightlifting combined with gymnastics combined with just weird plyometric exercises of like taking a sledgehammer to a tire and then like flipping that tire half dozen times and just doing like a lot of circuit training uh, to get his actors in really good shape. And at the end of the day, if you look at Gerard Butler in like the rom-com he's in now, not exactly King Leonidas, but you put him <laughs> on, you put him on eight weeks of CrossFit and, and my, my friend, and I say this, my friend Becca is a instructor at a CrossFit camp in LA um, and her transformation was amazing. And Jackie Earl Haley, never before or since, has looked like this. Yeah, this he he clearly did the work. And and you know, Trey and I kind of talked about this on like one of the Pink Five commentaries. But there is a difference between learning fight choreography as like a blocking as like a dance routine, and there's a difference to being that. And if you Bust your ass, yeah. Learning to actually fight, yeah. If you bust your ass and lift weights, and then also know how to like hit somebody, and hitting a bag and hitting a person are two entirely different sensations, and therefore, and also getting hit in return does something to you, and you need that element of realism. I think to to get the best out of a fight scene, uh, the Drew Barrymore syndrome is what I call it. <laughs> she put on her little forearm forearm pads, and, and God bless her, but she did her kung fu for eight weeks beforehand and it was fun i'm sure you know they probably got some cute photos but at the end of the day for what movie for charlie's angels ah. at the end of the day you look Never after what the fuck <laughs> is wrong with you no well <laughs> for et movie. look at this I, asshole yeah. no but well, for, for, e. for a second e. yeah. for, for a second i thought you were referring to uh the batman movie yeah. and Oh yeah, Alicia she wasn't. She wasn't. That she was Alicia Silverstone, though. No, was she? Actually, oh, Alicia Silverstone is didn't. He, but I mean, I'm anything. sure it's the yeah. same principle. The same principle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just you don't buy it. You just you yeah. look into their eyes and you can tell they're trying to remember where to put yeah. their hands. And then they right. cut to a wide shot where someone wearing the same costume is clearly throwing down. You know, it's it's it's, you, exactly. it's an attitude. It's thing. it's night and day. And it's also like as opposed to like this is a punch because this is what I know how to do. This is a new element to the movie and not the book, but it was perfect. It was a perfect little cap to their story. What do you see? Tell me what you see. All right, so here, here's some, here's some uh, an extended little Matrixy fight choreography scene. Yeah. Eddie, go. This shows up in the trailer <laughs> and it looks dumb as hell. I, I, I love I, this scene. I think I, it's great. It I, made, I in the trailer. I don't know anything. It may make no sense at all. Maybe totally unrealistic, but I think suit. it's. Bad. I don't hate it's the scene. Fun. She has. They they own, they both have their own distinct styles. Um, there's a certain. There are different ways to throw a kick. 
and the way that she throws her kick is much like a very taekwondo thing uh with basically if you use the leg as like a Wait, whip doesn't she have heels yeah, yeah i know i know i know if you use the leg as like a whip that's more of like a thai boxing style if you like that that back roundhouse kick that's that's a very much like a karate taekwondo kick this is a wire kick I, I'm I'm over wire work. I'm, I, I does nothing for me. The clothesline, which again is a movie fight scene thing. Um, if that you said, that to someone else they just dislocate your shoulder. That right? said, I give I give major props to to both actors for committing to the performance. They're in the moment. They know what they're doing. They're treating it like a fight. Uh, some of the moves are exaggerated. That's fine. It is a comic book movie after all. I'm okay, and I understand what they're going for. Her kick there looked pretty decent. Um, the back fist thing, that's, that's very much a Jeet Kune Do thing. Bruce Lee had his trademark. It's called Lop Sao. It's basically like a step over block back fist. And it's a very much a Bruce Lee trademark, and which carries through to the Inasano Academy and therefore to this movie. But overall, it's not a bad fight scene. It's serviceable. It does its job. Um, it's, it's just, you know, is it the right choice? I don't know. Uh, I, most people, are, I think, are fine with it, and that's fine. If it does that job, then it does that job. Uh, that said, all the work that Damien Carroll and Zack Snyder did on 300, I absolutely loved all of that. They had sort of the perfect confluence of styles for that period and for that movie. It did an extremely, extremely good job of that. And here again, the little capper of this at the end is you see, even these, even these two are are two supposed heroes of the heroes. You know, there's wholesale death and destruction going on. They're not, they don't care. They're not going to stop that. They're not going to do anything about it. They're just here to get their one guy out, and they're going to leave. We'll get to it later. But later, when they were bar interrogating people, and Rorschach is just breaking fingers, and yeah, and, they're and like, oh, Dan is, is like, really okay, necessary. everybody, okay. calm it's down. All right, it's I'll okay. be over in a minute. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's just what we do. Well, he does very much the same thing that. Dr. Manhattan does with the comedian in Vietnam where he's like, no, you, you shouldn't do that. Why are you doing that? That's bad. And the comedian or Rorschach, depending on the scene goes, well, you didn't do anything to stop me. Did you? No, nope. <laughs> yeah. you just stood there and watched. Yep. So you can go to hell. And I was thinking about your, um, about what you were saying about how we don't really spend enough time on Ozymandias. And I think you're right. Can, especially if you look at it in the lens that he is really the protagonist of the whole thing. He is the prime mover of the whole story. And yeah, he, him, the story doesn't exist. He's the shaper, certainly. Right. Yeah. He's the one that causes every other action to, to happen within this story that we see. And w- considering that, we really don't spend nearly enough time right. with him. Right. And yeah. uh, he, of all the characters, I feel he got shortchanged the most. Yeah. Uh, Rorschach, Night Owl, uh, even Silk Spectre, and Comedian are certainly more fun to be with on yeah. a few levels. Uh, Osmandius, though, and that's I think that's part of the reason why Tales of the Black, Black Freighter works so well yeah. is because that is, in a way, our window into Osmandius. And, and for a while, because you're reading Tales of the Black Freighter, and it's like, okay, this is great, but why do, I, why do I care right now? And then sort of in the end, when you get the, the full reveal of everything, it's this giant revelation. Night Owl's character, the motivation for him, you get more of a connection to this idea and they only hint at it in the movie and it, it comes more in the supplementary material of the book of the, of the behind the hood or under the hood biography. But Hollis Mason, the original night owl inspired a uh, young Dan to be that. And what his, fa- his actual father was not that great compared to Hollis Mason. And so therefore he was taking on this bigger role and being a part of something bigger than himself. You know, the, the, maybe part of the problem with Oz, was mentioned right up front. Someone mentioned it. Maybe the problem with Ozymandias is, is it may have been a casting thing. You know, that, that actor may not 
quite have whatever you know some whatever's going on behind his eyes might not be yeah doesn't, i doesn't quite work for what Osmondias i don't think he has quite be. the gravitas that as yeah i don't i don't quite to have I, he's very pretty but i don't buy him as the smartest person in the world yeah you know, i don't yeah, get that too. vibe off of him um and if you if you had that sense that someone you know th- this character he was a character that he's you know he's talking to you and he's like hey how are you good to see you and he's already like 95 steps ahead of anything you right. might be thinking that's that's a difficult thing to to play and a difficult to find an actor who can Especially sort of when the words that. don't help I yeah, yeah I would I would even posit that whereas certain personality traits you can sort of like put yourself in another person's footsteps and and sort of see through their Not eyes. Not everyone can understand an Smart. IQ of 220. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's challenging for anybody. Invent what Smart is okay. hard to hey, there's a black Here's writer. the tales of the black There you got a little extra thing there. It's just not from the, not in the original version. Um, well, it, it's been, it's, it's, we've said it before, and I, I, I still agree with it. I, I, I don't think an actor can play smart, smart unless, unless they, they are, are smart. smart. Right. You're exactly right. They, they, they really. You can always tell when someone's like, "I am a nuclear physicist, and this will detonate in 47 microseconds." I like do science Richards in um in the Bond yes, movie. Exactly. Well, no, I think Bond movie that extreme was. Case, Natasha. Yeah. What's her name? In Blade Three, the blonde haired chick, Natasha McKellen. McKellen as a scientist. Yeah, I, I've never seen Blade Three. Holy God, there's, a, there's some good stuff in Blade. This 3. is a extended scene. And it this is. is from the book, and this is you'll see it. It is done perfect and to absolutely heartbreaking effect. Okay, wait, wait. Let's go back a second because the hot chick, you're, N- N- Natasha McKellen. Natasha McKellen, not, not Natasha McKellen. No, 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 no. no, 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 the, no the, uh, she's, she's she's an American Pie. She was in some. And then Hills. she and then she became a heroin addict and got. Yeah, and then, and got, got, you're talking about Shannon Elizabeth? No, no, no. It's blonde hair, something. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so she plays a scientist, but I'm a cheerleader, not a scientist. Yeah, yeah, but I'm a cheerleader. She's in that. This scene. Natasha Leon. Yes, thank you. People, big, big pe- difference for you. people at home are listening is just screaming, what? Leon, 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 it's Leon, 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 this, so essentially this scene, the, the gang said, oh shit, Night Owl is back and he just, he messed up your friend. And so the, the gang not being the smartest yeah. group is confusing old school Night Owl with the new school Night Owl. And you're seeing sort of Night Owl in his glory <laughs> days and, and him and her just chatting it up. And much like the new Night Owl has always secretly harbored a thing for the Silk Spectre, you kind of infer that the old Night Owl always had a thing yeah. for Silk Spectre. Who didn't have a thing for Silk Seriously. Spectre, apparently. <laughs> the, ex- the, the, the executioner, apparently. It's possible Mike one. would have had a thing for the old Silk Spectre. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, and I bet Silhouette did, no problem. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Wow, fanfic, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Where's the Silk? You know it's out there. You know there's Silhouette Silk Spectre fanfic out there Silk right Spectre now. 1... Night Owl one fan fiction. Let's, yeah. and it, let, this scene again, just I just watched it for the first time the other night, and it, it's man. I, I have, and of course, I have never seen it. And so. this is a, these guys are another element yeah, of like, the book that don't really get much of a representation. Oh, nice! nice. He still got it. That's he still nice. got it. But this, but I mean, he's just he's just, it's just too, too much. Old. Done much the same way in the book, and yeah. this we don't have the audio, up, but the song that they use here is really great, and you kind of it's almost like almost like a positive thing, like oh the old man he's he's still got it in a way. And you kind of think like, man, he, as he's reliving, literally reliving his past for the first time in years in front of our very <laughs> eyes. And what's great is that even in those flashback scenes, the fist is still the old fist, still has the old sweater on it. Oh, that's a nice touch. Right. Yeah. And so you think, oh, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Yeah. And even this part right here, it's very clearly not Moloch. <laughs> I always thought it was Moloch. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Moloch. 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 <laughs> Moloch. And see, right there, right there on that first hit, the music just stops. And then yeah. you're, again, the reality of today clashes with 
In wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Killed, yeah. killed by his own statue. Yeah. Said, now, right. that's something we haven't talked about yet, and it's sort of surprising. Yeah. The music. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we talked about Hallelujah, but holy shit, for the most part, the music in this is just like, gah. Yeah. In terms of There's what it's lot doing of great in the story, music choices and, you know, frankly, as a soundtrack, I want that CD in my car. 99 Left Balloons in the first date scene. That's, no, that's not, a brilliant and, thing. And, 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 you know, you have the, Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix. I want to know the backstory, and maybe it's available somewhere. I want to know the backstory of how... Because how often do you hear a Bob Dylan song in a movie ever? He doesn't usually license his songs very often. Yeah. Um, what? How on earth did it end up in this movie? It's it's the perfect song. It's the perfect song for this amazing. Uh, Trey, how awesome Bob it Dylan is. is Rorschach. Oh, okay, that would explain. <laughs> it. Bob Dylan is actually the times crazy guy on the corner. Changing the times are changing. The answer is roads blowing in the wind. How many roads? How many roads? Oh God! Well, you know Heath Ledger did play. Um, it's kind of a Dylan for really a half fun minute. to invent voices. Like, what? I want to be yeah. a voice actor. But the, yeah, I, I think the, there was some flack. Some people were like, "I didn't like how you know it turned and it just played all these like songs in your face all the time." Yeah, like, my buddy. I, did, I my, think they're mostly Flatch quite amazing. Just like Forrest Gump. Yeah, but I love how you t- you take these these songs and they're the same songs as our real world reality, but you put them into this alternate universe, and just by the act of placing these same songs in this alternate universe, it colors them and the universe itself differently in a very. I would cool compare way. that to American Psycho, oddly enough. Yeah. Now this is this is an interesting little character moment. It's like Rorschach. He has a moment to breathe, and he he's self aware. Like he's yeah. he's sort of able to like he knows he's a dick. He knows he's a dick, and he realizes that he can't do it on his own. And he he has genuine good memories of Dan. And now that Dan is in the costume and doing what he needs to do, he's like, okay, he's reaching out. I can do the same. I can try to be something resembling a human. Yeah. Subtle shot of the Twin Towers there too. Yeah, it's, the, well, the Twin, Twin Towers, Towers are all over this. Been all over this. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's, I know. It's is there nice ever really a subtle shot of the Twin Towers these days? It's Seriously. not. Yeah. It's, well, it, there is. I was going to say it's like it, it, this movie. At least enough time has passed where you can go, oh, the Twin Towers is in there, and I don't know how I feel about that. Never forget. Like, it's just like it's it's 1980s. It's New York. The Twin Towers are there. That's how it is. Um, you know, we're not. But negating, it's still, we're it's not a, negating. You know, the the the. This it's a great touch of. You know, American exceptionalism and people who don't like us and right. maybe sometimes have something of a point, though that certainly yeah. doesn't justify what they do. Yeah. Not, you know. not to mention the fact that yeah, they see, were there. Everybody stay calm. Yeah. My all friend right. is merely breaking your friend's hand. It's cool. He's going to mess all right. him up. This actor gave a stirring performance as Hobo in Hot Rod. <laughs> good, good for him. <laughs> no kidding. Good for him. He looks like Ricky Jay after a, after a meth bender, but it's... It's not him. Are you speaking from experience of seeing Ricky Jay? I've seen later? Ricky Jay every way you can see Ricky Jay, and, and he's like, he's he's an all right guy though. So it's it's funny that uh, that after all of this, uh, Doctor Manhattan and, and all these characters, and they've got flying machines and flamethrowers, and they can manipulate space and time. Rorschach's secret weapon is going to a bar and rough up some guy <laughs> and breaking some fingers. Squeeze, he's got a cup in his hand. Good, just, just yeah, squeeze his hand. All the better, you know. That'll is, work. This is like the non-comedic version of of the classic Eddie Murphy scene from Forty Eight Hours. You know, it's like, yeah, rednecks. I hate him. There is an extended scene moment. This yeah, is the whole Hollis Mason. He's like, oh. And this is this is an interesting little flipping the script of of the two characters of Rorschach and Night Owl because once he finds out that Hollis Mason is dead and that it was possibly the not the not top gang, he's gonna go off. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> the classic refrain of of the anarchists and the fascists. Hey, man, you're picking on me just because I picked on other people. That's I'm right. the victim here. Yeah. Stop man, speaking of me. extended scene and just like really rubbing the gore front and center in your Gnarly. face. 
Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and even Rorschach's like, dude, dude, enough. chill. Yeah. Chill out. But Rorschach's objection isn't on any kind of moral ground. He's like, no, yeah, don't like, do it where uh, they can see you. Yeah, yeah not this. This isn't prudent yeah. now. Well, that's that the best crank shot we've had yet. That's a pretty impressive one there. That's, that's, You're referring to the clock, right, Trey? Yeah, the, the cranks that As are the driving crank. the. Yeah, that's the crank I was referring to. I love Mars a lot. So does Dr. So, Manhattan. Yeah, so does he. This uh, the now I'm talking about the clock the uh, the uh, this whatever this gizmotron is that he's <laughs> built for himself it's an amazing piece of work for visual effects speaking there, there's a um, there's a scene in the book which is actually great the whole reason he studied clocks when he was a kid because his dad was a, a, a watch and a clockmaker and he loved it like he enjoyed making clocks you know Doctor Manhattan. And then his father, as soon as his father hears of nuclear science, his dad, of relativity, of relativity yeah. from Albert Einstein, he flips out and is like, oh, son, I've wasted your life by teaching you this trade. The future is in science. The future is in science. And he throws all the little gears and parts out the window to the objection of his son, of Dr. Manhattan. Which is a great – I wish that scene had made yeah, it. That's another, the, that's another, yeah, that's another – I guess that's what I'm saying. My only objection to the movie is that parts that – a studio executive or even like somebody in the midst of it might go, okay, I like it, but it's, it's gotta go. Those little moments really do sort of help flesh out at the end of the day. It's a movie it can only do so much. You can, you have to compress. And yes, we have the book to revisit if you want to revisit those, but because there, he's done such a great job at bringing so many of these other moments to the screen. It's like, I just wish I could have seen that other scene. Just, too. Yeah. You're you just know. a couple steps away. Well, I love, I love the, the phrasing and I can't remember exactly, but the sentiment that his dad <laughs> in the origin is, is like, you know, Time was supposed to be the absolute, but now with now, relativity, exactly. even time isn't an absolute. Exactly. So screw the whole damn thing. Yeah, he just gives up. He just yeah. has like this giant like Schopenhauer moment of just pure raw pessimism, and he just gives in to all this despair. And his son is like, "Well, no, it doesn't." You know, and if so we can't even count on time. What the hell can we count on? And so, of course, as soon as he flips out and has a breakdown, he subconsciously goes back to this to making clocks. clocks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you left me, I left the damn planet, yeah, woman. Is, what what else do you want? Yeah. Like, what else do I have to prove to you that I love you? What do you want me to do? Just kill everybody on the planet? Wait. I'm about to. I'm yeah. this close. Yeah. What is it? What do you women need? We're going to go on our tour right now in a, in a second. Yep. Yes, here we go. Oh, I love this sequence so much. Beauty, I was, I was very... I was very hopeful that they were going to show this sequence and very trepidatious that they weren't <laughs> or they were going to screw it up. Well, this was but, a big trailer moment too. Like this yeah, is like them yeah, basically I saw this their in the dicks trailer. out on the table and just like check yeah. it. We did the clock in the glass. Check it out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like, oh yeah, we're doing this the right way. Oh, we did. We're it. doing it. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> His nose comes into the scene three minutes before he does. Tiki's ear, ear. Nixon's nose. Tiki's just like it's like it's like a range of the Sith script starts. Exterior lens flare. Yeah, right. Slightly outside Nixon's nose. Vite is pretty goddamn gay. What it, now? The, the 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 pattern of this building <laughs> is reminiscent of what building? I've seen it sort of like in architecture, like the like which it looks similar to a, a like the, what the old Chrysler building or not it the does Chrysler. yeah it does no, look no, like it's not it's, it's another it's a famous building though I'm not just making shit up it's right? a kind of a, it, well it has a little bit of a Trans America thing it looks yeah, like that yeah. 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 maybe but it also but Metropolis it, it, there's a particular yeah. There's yeah. A particular yeah. building in Chicago that looks a lot like too right right yeah I, I think I know which one you're talking about. This movie did sort of overall in the color palette push blues a little bit more, whereas like blues, yellows, and purples, pinks and greens really and purple like uh, like neon pinks, greens, and purples kind of show up in the book a lot, um, all for very specific reasons. Um, but yeah, whenever you went to Osmandius, 
his plays, like you got those yellows, those strong yellows and purples out. And and I don't know, maybe on a subconscious level that made me feel like Osmandius was less Having sex himself. With boys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is that. That's what it means. Uh, most rape rooms consist of yellow and yeah, purple, yeah. so sure. Uncle Touchy's uh, naked puzzle but, basement. <laughs> it's an excellent loving space right This here. fall at Universal Studios Orlando. <laughs> well, Will I, I get sued for I, saying that? I, I can't, like, no, I, I can't give it away, but yeah, I, they, that's actually going to be next year. They're gonna open. Is that your next motion ride that you're doing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Spoiler alert, you broke your NDA. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do? The seatbelt comes up through the... Anyway... I was struck when I watched this movie, like, you know, wow, talking about throwback. And I was like, oh, that's right. It's supposed to be 80s computers. And, you know. and again, that's, they do such a great job with 80s computers, yet Night Owl's, like, space visor has, like, fingerprint recognition software. It's like... Yeah, but know. meanwhile, you know, the richest man the in the richest world has a smartest man in the world has, has, has exactly. an Apple II. So, so it's like, this, this, is, this is one of those things. It's like, if these guys are this smart, wouldn't they realize that they shouldn't so easily be able to hack into the big secret, you know, that they're being set up. That For this reason, is like, yeah. okay, I see. I need to come up with a password that these guys won't think is too easy. A word on your desk. Get it. Interesting. Yeah. And I'll, By the yeah. way, he has a folder in his desktop wallpaper called boys. Did you see that? Did you see that? I did not no, see, I that. see that. I'm oh, almost there. prepared to pause this and rewind. <laughs> well, I'll show you later, but I promise Holy you, in the God. folder next to Dr. Man- or Manhattan, it's, there's a folder called Boys. Nice. Wow. You really, I so noticed, really, I've noticed that every time I've seen it. You guys have never noticed that before? Right. I've now, never seen it in this bigger resolution before. Does, the folder's called Boys. Does does the the bomb he create kill everything with without a with with a without a Y chromosome over the age of 17. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the plot from Casino Royale. <laughs> Seriously. Like, would make the, the release, the this is a nice little releases touch. The disease oh, that, the wait staff is thankful. This, this is a, a nice little shorthand, not in the book originally, but this is a nice little shorthand. Of, well, I think it may be in the book. He, something he, like it this, is. He, yeah, does, where he, he, kills, does, he does kill all the guys. But he doesn't disintegrate way. them. But just the, the, through the camera movement, how he does it is, is really, really cute. I miss the sound. I, I, buy, I yeah. buy everything about it. I just miss the sound of them all keeling over. Um, it just, you know, I know you can omit whatever sound you want, but right. uh, it seems like it should be a little touch of it, just the sound like of them all and Osman- fading. And I will say that sort of everybody else's costume is great, but Osmanis' costume here does not work for does me. Does not make I sense I don't care that me. it's Schumacher, but the colors are not right. It doesn't seem nearly as regal and as, like there was cloth Ostentatious. Elements. And the, yeah. head, the head thing. I don't buy the head thing. I mean, I he had that. a head thing in the book, but it was a different head thing that worked better than this. I think this does, actually. I disagree with you. This, to See, me, I, suggests the, the neck frills of like Elizabethan era. I, I guess what I'm saying is like the cloth elements of like the, in the book give it like a real lived-in Grecian sense to it. Whereas this looks like, oh, it's Batman's new, you know, apparently pedophile what? friend. That when I was seeing this movie in theaters, the guys behind me who had been getting fed up throughout the entire thing. Yeah, this was a breaking point for said some people. Out loud, yeah. What's this? <laughs> walked out. Well, now what are you showing us? Again, it's uh, and this is uh, kind of goes back to what we're saying about of all the characters, Osmandius really gets shorthanded the most because him, the fact that he has like a whole eco dome that doesn't really get shown in this, where he's got like this, you know, this octopus dart growing of solitude. It is, but he's yeah. got like he's got like he does research in like and ecology and 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 genetic biology and you really and that helps give the sense that he's really trying to use his the his intellect to reshape the world in his vision. Like it's funny that the character that is. Is literally a god, Dr. Manhattan, doesn't take the steps that a god would make. It is a man trying to imitate God. Wow, that got deeper than I thought. Wow. Does, does yeah. this movie ever... Where's, where's the chick with the hot I would imagine. I would imagine for someone watching this that if there was a point in this film where they would, where the people that knew the book would go, they're going to do it, that would have been yeah. right here. Yeah, we're getting up to that point of like, oh shit, is a giant squid coming? Uh, 
Like more than giant Nitpick. squid, there, there were a lot of like little fears that they wouldn't kill Rorschach or that they would shoehorn a happy ending. That was like a lot of the the fear about it because the Sam Ham script that got out. Oh my god! Um, you can find it online. Actually, there's a guy who posted all these comic book script that never got made, including the Sam Ham script. That would have been the. I have to have version. a nitpick. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was probably was that the, the two- Gilliam one? Was that the version of Gilliam? No, the one. The one I saw, like and I literally the one. I, the no. script I saw was literally in early nineties. Brian got a nitpick. Brian's got a nitpick. Brian's got a nitpick. Brian's got a nitpick. He's vibrating. The moon of Mars are not right. They're not big enough to be to be spherical, but here they're shown spherical. Do you feel better? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. There they're just go. asteroids. They're That's not fine. big enough to be spheres. There's also no, th- There's also probably not a naked blue guy there either. But well, you know that I'm fine with. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And this, this I'm is pretty very fine with. This is so this pretty. Is, yeah. This is pretty stuff. Hey, good looking. What are you doing? <laughs> Look at that. I, I, I That's read pretty the, badass. It's, it probably was the Sam Ham script, I guess. But yeah. Sam Ham's been dead for like 15 years. I know. Years, I, I feel bad like talking ill of him, but like. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he wrote the original. Batman Tim Burton movie. Batman and, you know, and then and then, and then died not that long thereafter because people kept saying yeah we want to get Sam Ham it's like he's unfortunately he's unavailable Dr. Manhattan's dead. temples don't move when his jaw moves that's the thing that kills me that's that's a that's a detail about him yeah that it's it's one and of if those you look closely things. he has like subnuclear reactions happening under the surface of his skin like he just has like these little glows yeah, and flashes he's, he's, that that's just because he likes me. he's a hell of a render <laughs> this and the, the script I saw literally we were shooting a test for arachnophobia on the Disney lot and we didn't get the job for arachnophobia but it was a demo we were doing of, of how to we were to animate spiders and uh, literally the script for Watchmen was just sitting there in the corner of the soundstage oh, on God. a pile of stuff and I was like holy shit this is the script for Watchmen and I knew that it was in play at that point with uh, Gilliam and I, I, it had just been cancelled I think it's right around then so I was aware of it anyway I picked it up and I read like the first 20 pages of it and it opened, it opened with a scene of I remember the comedian. It was the comedian. It was like the night owl and comedian breaking up the riot, and then and the comedian is li- just literally just shooting people down, and uh, so it just oh, crashed with this you know opening yeah. of this you know just who are these people? They're bad guys. They're not right. good guys. They're bad guys. They See, this is right me. This it. is me not buying Malin Ackerman. This whole thing, right? Her now. little monologue, for, and her for breakdown reason, after the end of this. For whatever reason, she doesn't bother me because I feel like I feel like the flaws that she brings are the flaws that. Lori brings. Um, Lori is a very flawed character for a lot of reasons, and I, I don't know. I just, I, I for whatever reason, I'm okay with it. Um, I was never that bothered by it, and I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm not big on lame acting. I, I, I actually think, she's think actually very good. As much as I adore mm-hmm. Carly Gugino, I actually think they could have cast a a better Sally Jupiter, like because the, yeah, the the real Sally you. Jupiter had like a, a different another texture to her that I feel is like missing here. Yeah, and I like Carly Jupiter. I think she's good. I think she's great. She's really yeah, good. she's got her comic book movie cred for sure. I like between Sin City and <laughs> Sin City and this. which she would look fantastic in. My yes. God, mm, both of those movies. Mm. And of course, we all remember her work in Threshold. Yes, actually, I do. <laughs> that's that's where I first became aware of her. I, I ended up meeting a writer from Threshold, uh, the TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. Um, I ended up meeting a writer through there, and and I remember talking to him. Like she actually wrote elements of the pilot, and I said, "Yeah, you know, I liked it, but I just felt like you took about five episodes worth and compressed them down into one pilot." And she's like, "That is exactly what we were told to do." She said that ending shot that comes halfway through our episode. Where like the the infected people kind of crawl towards us. That was an end of our episode six, and mm. I'm like, really? And it comes halfway through your pilot. It's like that's just what they wanted us to do. They wanted more story in that pilot, and I, and it suffers for oh, it. Oh, the overall. comedian was her father. Dun, bah, had they had bah. like a montage to tell me that, I wouldn't have needed him to say it out loud. Mm. Oh wait. Oh, don't let the chick hit your crystal thing. 
But again, he uh, could repair it if he wanted to. He yeah, could he intervene, could, like, but let her, he let lets, her do it. He at least he remembers to protect her from the falling shards. He's like, oh yeah, that will sort of that will sort of destroy you. Yeah, but it makes sense. Glass shatters from full vibrations and. Beautiful, beautiful animation and rendering and all that stuff. Yeah, glass isn't glass like really hard to do. It's it's hard to do right. Yeah, like although not glass. falling in, kind of falling in earth gravity there. Not I like that. Gravity. It looks like one of those spheres <laughs> yeah. you buy at like Hot Topic that has like the you know you touch it and like the little things. Plasma your, ball. Plasma <laughs> ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Kind of like when shit hits it. Kind of looks ball. like that. I don't buy that. Doctor Manhattan would be this smitten philosophically with what. He's always known. Like, well, that's up for debate. Like, is he just saying that to her to comfort her? Does he know that that's he what he needs to say? He ends up saving the world. Say? He doesn't really no, save the world. He, 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 he know. lines he it doesn't. out of there. He, and he, he doesn't saves, know. He saves the world by not doing anything It's the whatsoever. path of least resistance. Like, he doesn't... It's not... Him doing the quote-unquote right thing requires him to actually do nothing. And I think thematically that goes back to what we're talking about as the good guys, they achieve an ending that they really have nothing to do with. Like Indiana Jones four, <laughs> exactly. So, and again, it's like the, the, one of the question is: is did people kind of get to the end of the movie and kind of go, "Wait, that didn't make me feel good about my life"? You know, is that why but it this does, movie though. wasn't I mean, a it's, huge hit? We'll, we'll get to it. There is one little tiny choice that, that Zack Snyder makes that is, I think, the best attempt at that. And we'll get that when we talk to it. But it's just it's something I noticed recently, and it just it kind of made me like the ending just a hair less. So this is a hard thing. We can we can certainly quibble about Madeline, Madeline's handling of the scene, but you know she's she's there's nothing there. There's nothing. Maybe yeah. if she was lucky, Billy Crudup is there in front of her. Maybe. Right. No, he was. If you watch the, the especially like he's wearing this giant battery Tron suit. Yeah, yeah. Of so he, that he, make him look fat. Like he's not yeah. fat at all, but it makes him look like he's got this giant gut because that's where the batteries are. So. So anyway, so she's you know she's she's doesn't have a lot to play off of here. She's wearing a suit that probably can't be very comfortable either. <laughs> She's actually as much wearing, as we enjoy it. Uh, over her costume, while well, it's not there, but in that in that two shot, um, she actually has to wear like a black curtain around her waist that so that it doesn't like reflect extra light off of him onto her. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Here's the bye, Mars. All Here's right. The giant happy face on Mars. Is this, was this all along the Watchtower? Yeah. Yeah. Along the Watchtower, yeah. Classic. Which, and now, nowadays people go, hey, it's Battle a Battlestar Galactica reference. Yep. No, yeah. no, it's not about Because the finale Star had Galactica. just happened or was about to happen. And like, certainly the song had been established by the time we had seen this movie. Plus, I think the song was written uh, years ago. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. During Vietnam, actually, right? Yeah, it was in Forrest yeah, Gump. Hendrix, man. Oh, I, I, hey, you do not have to educate me on Hendrix. I love Hendrix. Hendrix has been dead for 40 years no, now, I isn't know. it? But, but like I mean, that? Dylan wrote it originally during Vietnam as well. True. Yeah. That's true. Surprise! You know, this is where we find out. You know, this movie. What Dylan loves comic books is that. <laughs> oh, Watchmen! I love the Watchmen. You can use my music in the Watchmen. Yeah, have those new kids with the eye makeup do a cover of one. That, of them. and if they ever do banana splits, I'm in. There we go. La 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 <laughs> la 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 la. Fraggle Rock. I want to play one of the ogres. One banana, two banana, three banana, four. Oh, the old upside down fake digital camera. There's a, there's a shot in John Adams, which is one of the more it's it's a very the the miniseries about John Adams, our second president, where the camera work is very modern and it's not only is it it's extremely Dutch. At one time, for no reason whatsoever, the camera is upside down for one shot, 
and it freaked me out. I was like, what the hell just happened there? The camera is literally upside down for no reason in one shot in John Adams. Didn't it, they do it that freaked in like, me out. I, and I am Cuba. Didn't they have like, I mean, I know they had the, 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 the non steady cam, steady cam shot that they did that leads into the pool and out and up down and flying through the air and all this other crap. But didn't it go upside down at one point? I could be wrong about that. I, I, I have no idea what I am Cuba is. Oh, it's, it's, I am Cuba is this old film that was made pre communist Cuba. And then like, it didn't really make it out of, out of Cuba because right afterwards the revolution happened, but somehow, okay, right there on the far right, uh, it's all kinds of great stuff. Is Mr. is the YouTube winner? And there's uh, and there's, there's the uh, 1984 Apple commercial. Yep. There's yep. boobs. Some there's a uh, Rambo up there. Rambo, Rambo two actually. There's first a, blood. Uh, shit, is the Robert name? Palmer Robert uh, Palmer video? The love video. Uh, World Matt, Warrior. Matt, Matt, Matt Warrior. 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 Right there. Nice. Woo, baby. Yeah. Um, or Mad Max two for anyone else in the rest of the world. Now, if you ever get a chance, go check it out. I think <laughs> Fran- essentially Francis Ford Coppola like helped rescue the film, but and got its release. And it's they teach it in film schools. And if you ever watch Boogie Nights, like that scene in Boogie Nights where it's the party and the camera follows them outside and then that chick into the pool and underwater. Right, right, right. They, that is a, a complete ripoff of I Am Cuba, except oh, okay. the cameras that they use in I Am Cuba is literally just a box, a wind-up 16-millimeter box handheld. Nice. And it is the steadiest handheld shot I have ever seen in my life. Nice. Kind of a, kind of a Hello Kitty uh, <laughs> mask he's got for cat. snow. Yeah. Night Owl, you look like a night cat. Ch- chattering on TVs, the subtitles very helpfully say. Yeah, in, this, in these subtitles, there's a lot of like indistinct mumbling. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like I'm what? pretty sure they're actually saying things. Yeah, I think they're. Uh, were you just lazy subtitler guy? This is a great move here. It's like this is. I know it's wire work, but whoop. Yep. <laughs> it's a, it, it, and they make it work. That they, doesn't bother me. Like they play it off work. really well. They yeah. play it off really well. It's or, like I watched it. I was like, wait, a person can't do that. And again, in Hot Rod, when he's falling to his death on the cliff there. And they use wire work for comedic effect. I'm absolutely fine with it. But just I'm, and I grew up watching wire work. I grew up watching all these kung fu movies like that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, it's been done. And I'm just, I'm kind of over it at this. And point. one of the one of the criticisms that I read somewhere that I agree with is that the way they choreograph in the beginning, <laughs> just a laser. He has a laser. <laughs> he has Why a laser not? Why not? The way they choreograph the, That's the opening awesome. sequence. That's awesome. His face reaction. It's okay. And retarded. Like absolutely not even makes sense. Even kind of. But yeah. I don't care. Uh, the way they choreograph him in the beginning, but even more so here, it seems like Ozymandias has superpowers, super strength, yeah. and all of that. Well, they when all in reality, do. he doesn't. Well, they, the, well, it seems like they all do. No one could survive yeah, any of these things right. that they're doing. The inference is that because he's so damn brilliant, he can genetically engineer all this other crap. He probably did some stuff to himself. That's like some of the, like the speculation. But it still it takes away from that concept. Like you have this entire group of people, but the only one of them that has genuine superpowers is right. Dr. Manhattan. True. And the rest of them are regular people. Right. Just when, when Veet runs around the way he does and to the other ones to a lesser extent, right. it takes away from that idea. Yeah. There, there seems to be something enhanced about all of them because yeah, they couldn't yeah, do yeah. what they do. Um, I like about the, again, back fist. He just loves yeah. that intercepting fist. He just loves that. Papa. I love, I love what Rorsch, no matter every time Rorsch, he's like Indiana Jones, every time Rorschach goes down, he has to put his hat back on to get back. Up. <laughs> yeah. There's how many shots of him getting his hat back after getting, getting kicked over. So yeah, I can't believe you guys fell for the old, I guess it came out long enough ago that we're not, you know, destined to see as many Rorschachs this Halloween as we did see Jokers two Halloweens ago. Well, also I think but it's just a harder Rorschach. Could be, no, you know, you, you get a yeah. kind of a poofy trench coat and an True. awesome hat and a sock. True. It's another cheapy, cool-looking costume. Just wouldn't be the same if it doesn't move. Though I've seen him at Comic Con oh, for seen, years. Like, I've seen good Rorschachs. Yeah. A, fr- a friend of a friend had a good Rorschach. There's the Fireburn guy. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. but, but they have tattoos that the same. He's got tats. So that's why they put those on there. So you literally wouldn't be like, "Hey, that's a dude who lit on fire." Mm. 
Oops. Boy, I'm never working for you again. This sucks. <laughs> working for you sucks. Now, of course, this this is a in, in the Incredibles. Right. They, they refer to this as monologuing. You know, this right. is this is the ultimate but monologue this, of all time. But it has a great payoff to yeah. it. It's it has like, a brilliant payoff. And every writer since has kicked themselves for not getting to it first. Yeah. Yeah, this is the most Jeet Kundo of all the fight scenes. Ooh. Like, actually, the way. Not the kicking, but just the way the the the, the hand movements specifically, and like some of the fists that he does, that lean for that lean forward, and I'm doing here, no way will see me, but that lean forward back fist is is kind of a Bruce Lee trademark. Lean forward back fist was my nickname in college. Lean forward back fist. <laughs> they they are also playing with uh, uh. with a neon noir and Dream Theater at the Palladium. So <laughs> nice, <laughs> along with neon noir, that's great. Eddie Doty, welcome any time. All week. That's a, the reveal. The king of the callback. Anyway, so, you know, that's pretty much what I've been yeah, doing. So, so, what have you guys been up to? Huh? Launching a lot of studios. 60. How's your mom? <laughs> you know, they've got. Been like, catching up on Fringe. That's a good show. You guys I, sw- yeah. I switched to the Dish Network. It's pretty good, actually. Good reception down here. Yeah, so, anyway. Yeah. Destroyed the it's world. It's sort of weird to see and his hand anything with pocket. an Egyptian aesthetic mm. coolly lit. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem right, does it? I think it's also the paint that they put on the styrofoam. I think, I think if it's like, if it's just. I think you gotta be careful of, like the kind of paint you put on it because when you light it, it it changes color a little bit. So whatever they did to this, whatever kind of like trauma they put to it, it it pays off. It's a pretty set, no doubt about it. Brian, you're a pretty set. Oh, that's so sweet. What a, nice. I don't know what I did to deserve that. See, and he okay. here he acknowledges it is a joke. It is all a joke. He just approaches the joke differently. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. relish the joke. He's just trying to see it for what it is. And not Boobastis. a great CG cat. Not, not no. the best CG links. I mean, that looks exactly like the, the book. I mean, Bubasis looks exactly like she does in the book. My and master it, stroke. There wow. it is. Yeah. Would, like the only thing I would explain the whole thing to you if there was a chance in hell that you could stop it. Yeah. This was it's another already happened. Well, this, there's the payoff to the monologuing. It's yeah. like, I'm telling you because I've done it already. This is, this is another moment in the theater where like, the air kind of went out of a couple of people where they were expecting like, yeah. the big fight scene to, and like, you know, true love conquers all. And there's like, no, everyone is literally fucking dead. And this is where the movie, the movie just you know, goes, no, sometimes the heroes don't get there in time. Right. Sometimes they don't save the day. There was a little thing in history, sort of obscure, called um, the Holocaust, yeah. in which we the good guys didn't help save it until it was far too late. Or Darfur, which is a, which is yeah, happening right now, which is happening as we as we do this silly little commentary, like evil is happening all across the world, and yeah. that's sort of the point. Sure, of this. I, I sure hope the good guys get there in time. That's right. We should oh, make wait. a movie about Darfur and the Holocaust. I'm sure that would make millions at the box office. Exactly. Because that's what people want to hear about. Exactly. Unless it's like. Captain Darfur with like you know, <laughs> who can come and I mean there literally was a comic book uh, not too long ago about superheroes trying to aid in the Darfur thing like they and oh they, I'm sure and that's that's nothing new that happens with like again you know well yeah World that's War how II, I mean you create Freakonomics about how one of the major hits the Ku Klux Klan took was when they did a Superman thing where they made fun of the Ku Klux Klan yeah yeah believe it or not racist read comic books too activate the omega 13 yes. <laughs> pretty much now in the book damn the book is the book plays it to amazing Bomb dramatic effect the, the book the book plays it to amazing dramatic effect because what happens is you have that panel where he says i did this 35 minutes ago you turn the page double splash yeah. page of the dead squid, the giant squid and you yeah. turn another page and it's nothing but silent panels like bodies. nine silent panels of just carnage and viscera all around the world and 
and that's like the the that's unfortunately uh, a sort of dramatic impact that is exclusive to comic books. That idea of turning the page and then boom, you're you're just hit with these with this image. Yeah, it's 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 well, it's it's the equivalent of a shock cut. There, a movie, there's a but it is kind of. It is, I remember exactly the experience you're talking about. Yeah. The flipping yeah. the page, like whoa, because it never really. He never fully explained this is what I'm going to do. You just sort of they showed you all the pieces of it, right? And these then are the splash the bit, pages where right. it's like. Like the windows in the buildings are gone and people are piled upon other people. It's the aftermath. Yeah. You don't see yeah. it happening like we just saw it happen. You turn the page and it has happened. Yeah, and I the feel thing, like that would have been and the thing about the, the thing about the giant squid. The giant squid is not explosive. What happens is it sends out a psychic, psychic blast wave, that yeah. just kills you in your tracks. Yeah, so it's just people, just millions of people, just keeled over dead. And, and it's dead there. because when it enters our atmosphere, it dies. Yeah. Or whatever. and it, it's death shriek uh, right. of energy is what kills everybody around right. it. Is this is the fake story that they've created? You know My what's fi- interesting here on down in front. We've seen a lot of movies with no audio. Just watch an entire film with no audio once, and it's not a, that's not an experience many people have, especially repeatedly. And you start to get a really odd sense of what movies work really well, even without audio. Yeah, right. it's sometimes it's really surprising. But yeah, this movie actually, this I, movie is among the most enjoyable films without audio. I think we've done on true. the show, yeah. and I think it's unique in the sense We're that three hours in it wor- it works really well without right, audio, right. and it's a very dense story, where, which a lot of it is communicated. My bike is angry. Sorry. Yeah, but it, it still works. <laughs> Which is a we'll really impressive this. accomplishment when you really think about it. But it's watching a movie without audio is an exercise I recommend because I do too. Yeah. Uh, filmmaking is a visual storytelling medium, so you have to be able to see the story happen in front of you. Right. And really taking away the audio is a good training. What's for interesting though is that, and this is something I learned early on in, edit, in editing, was. Um, if you are going to make a mistake, you better make a mistake visually as opposed to audio-wise. Because if you have bad video, people will forgive it. But if you have bad audio, or yeah, if you have bad video, people will forgive it. But if, if there's like a noise that people don't like, that will piss them off and take them out of the experience more. So it's 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 interesting that you say that because you're absolutely right. It is a visual medium first and foremost, above anything else. But it's amazing, sort of what our bodies and our minds will will tolerate and what they sort of respond that to. That cat is not done. Don't release the film. <laughs> You kids today. Oh. I like Bubasas. I think Bubasas is fine. I, I, I remember Jumanji when they. You know, oh Jesus, right? You know, Jumanji do. had some moments that the CG really holds up. Though. I was working in a theater when Jumanji came out, and like I couldn't take a because we would take our breaks in like the back of the theater, and I would I could not take a break without watching. Goddamn Taking a Jumanji. break, that's what they call it now, Eddie. Yeah. yeah, you know, we'd take our breaks in the theater because there was right. nowhere else to go. This again, straight out of the comic book. Yeah, uh, yeah. He gets hit. He does the bullet. He rolls over, and you and like in the book, you're in like holy shit. Good has one. Yeah, I love the fact that she's not even, above just pulling out a gun and going here, dude. Bang. She does what she does. What <laughs> even in the book, you're like, room. shoot him again, shoot him again. Yeah. For the love of God, shoot him again before he Keep does something. Shooting him for heaven's sake. <laughs> and then, and I like again here too. There's a little bit of blood. He's not. He's not biologically oh, that in, different. You know, he still yeah. bleeds when he catches a bullet. Yeah, you know, he's got some sort of padding there. You see, but yeah. ow, really stings. Dana Carvey. Yeah, it. that line. Grow up. Grow up. I love it. Grow Man. up. Grow up. Again in the book. Yeah. It's just, and it's, it's, again, the comic medium lends it itself because it's two separate word balloons. One panel says Dan, and then the next one, yeah. do, and the, the line of the comic is, do grow up. Like, it's yeah. such a aristocratic thing to say, you know? Yeah. Sam. All right. So a man walks into a tele agency and he's got this faggoty ass suit in a purple building. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the one thing is like, is, is Vite supposed to be the smartest man in the world? 
for him to think pretty obvious. I'll that just this I'll work. just I'll just disintegrate him. The thing that he survived and the thing that made him what he him. is. I'll just do it to him again. You know, and he even says like, that's the first thing I learned to do. Yeah. <laughs> what you gotta you be think? fucking kidding me. It didn't kill. O- and I love that. Yeah. It didn't kill Osterman. Yeah, like who he is very clearly not anymore. Yep. He thought that would be it, huh? But this well, Professor Laser, do you think yes. your karate bots would have stopped me? <laughs> this shall be a naughty caprice. <laughs> I think though this is an excellent, I don't know, example I, for for your thing, Fig, where it's like you don't really get comics as as a kid's thing, but they have to grow up. And this that whole theme and that whole idea is what the Watchman is. It's like grow up. This 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 vision of what. This world is is very much a child's fantasy, and this is the way the adult world actually works. And you, it's a matter of coming to. And that line that the remote control is the ultimate weapon. (laughs) Yes, such a great (laughs) little line. Well, I mean, this, like I said, historically, when you look at comic books, people look at the year uh, 1985 or six when this came out uh, as a comic book. With this and the Dark Knight Strikes Back, which is Frank Miller's sort of seminal Batman story, um, as kind of a turning point where people are like, okay. There are stories that you can tell in a comic book medium that can only be told in comic book medium to great effect um, that are for adults. That you know, and if you listen to Frank Miller talk, he says the the comic medium has not done evolving. We cannot release issues once a month, like twenty page issues. That's a, a failed paradigm. We have to go like releasing whole books, like Watchmen was, or not Watchmen because Watchmen was a series at first, but Dark Knight Strikes Back was like three books. But they were big. They were larger than your average comic book. He wants to push the medium more into that direction as opposed to like a monthly shipment of, of you know, 22 pages and you're out. Well, I think my personal opinion is I think a serialized storytelling with a definitive beginning and end, like you know how the story ends when you start the miniseries, is the ultimate form of storytelling. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's best embodied either by a miniseries or by a graphic novel format. And... I think you'll see. I think you'll start to see more stories go in that direction. Now, the thing hopefully, that, done with more skill. I, it, this left me behind right here, and and not and it wasn't a thing where I, in terms of a cinematic experience, I was with it, but mentally I was back at the point where it's like, but Doctor Manhattan is. They even make they hang a lantern on it in the beginning and say Doctor Manhattan equals America. So to say Doctor Manhattan blew up a million people is to say America blew up a million people. No, he, he, but no, he, he's he not. turned bad. He turned evil. Yeah, yeah but like like the like the nuances of that shit are going to are going to they that totally escapes Chechnyans, I swear to god. No, it doesn't it's it's very simple to demonize something that you that's powerful and it's If it's fear. more powerful than you, you can hate it. Really yeah, but quickly. that's America. If, if we can demon- Dr. Manhattan and America but are because, more powerful than you. But American cities out. were... But New York and other American cities were some of the things that suffered. Everybody suffered equally, and that was part of the reason why it You're expecting work. people to understand beyond a capacity. I think they No, I'm, I'm expecting people to not understand. Saddam Hussein yeah. used to be our best ally in the Middle East, remember? Same with Osama bin Laden. <laughs> exactly. Osama bin Laden was on our team, and he was wonderful, and we, we sent were him on, money and help. The Russians and us were on the same side? Yeah, the Russians the were time, our, our staunch know, allies in World War II. Iran, back in the 50s. Same, I mean, like, and mm. it's not just America. It's not, it's not mutually exclusive of America it's everybody who has power and at, at some point the, the things that people with power use historically dating back to the Bronze Age turn against I mean biblically you can look at it and, and find stories that are like this yeah if, if Jesus if Jesus returned to earth and, and started like you know raping old people I mean people go hey we hate him now I yeah, mean right. it's like you know you would go, oh. I mean, some people argue that if Jesus were existed now, he'd be called a hippie and a communist and all this other he'd stuff. He'd probably want health care for everybody. Right. Free blowjob robots. That's right, free blowjob robots for everybody. That's <laughs> Hallowed be thy name. Behind. 
So I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all psychologically. Um, to answer your question, it's like, yeah, he, he's they, they, they say he's a, he's an American, so people won't be batshit scared of him. And now they have to go. Well, actually, turns out you had a reason to be scared of him. He was this all powerful evil thing that doesn't that thinks humans are termites. So. So here we he's go. an Old so Testament guy. Yeah, he's an Old Testament guy. So here, here's, here's where the movie really kind of goes. No, we're talking, yeah, about, talking, we're about, committing, talking yeah. about committing to your premise. Yeah, this is the final trigger that they really needed to pull, and they, they did it beautifully. I love how when Manhattan's outside, the snow just he's, stops. The, the, the blots are making him ups, like the curves around his eyebrows and his mouth are, are, are aggro. Look at him. They're, they're yeah. forming like frowns and, 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 and scared eyebrows. Right. It's just so it's so interesting. I wonder I would like to hear more about the theories that went into animating the blots on his face. And it's an interesting choice again in the book in here that he he takes off the mask at this point because now he he has to be Walter Kovacs again for a second. He has to be you know at his most naked in a way. Yeah. And it's also like if you're going to do this motherfucker, I want you to see my face while you don't want you to look at me when you're doing it. So it's pretty it's it's really it's like this is where this is where this is where a Hollywood movie would go. Well, we can't have this, but it's like yeah, right. this. Th- what we know about that character, what we know about that character, this is how this has to end. This the, is what has to happen. And now. in the book, I, as with here, I always read this as a mercy killing because he can't live. It in It kind this of world. is. He yeah. won't be able to live in this world. But he can't. He doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to die at all. But yeah. he can't live in this new world that's going to happen. He can't be a part of it. He does. He wouldn't know how to live in it. And yeah. so. Goodbye, Rorschach. All right. So and real quick, what does this look like in the snow? It, to me, it's a pretty butterfly. It's a snow angel. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, most of the time when people drop to their knees and scream no, I, I call yeah, bullshit. It's, it's, yeah, it's, but, it's such a movie thing. But, but here it works so well. Here I'm like, okay. I Same thing when, it. like, people dramatically circle the bad guy. And you see yeah. that in Memento as well. Like in Memento, He made a like, gore angel. Yeah. Like <laughs> when Carrie Ann Moss, like, circles... Uh, uh, Guy Pearson like says, "No, I'm really evil," and he stands still and looks forward while she just walks around him. I normally hate that; that's an old theater trapping. Yeah, uh, but here earlier when they did it, it, I was okay with it. I love that line. Maybe yeah, I'll yeah. create some. Yeah, it's like that's Doctor Manhattan and getting tired of life. Maybe I'll create I, I, some. I'm all right well, with life. He, I don't hate life. Maybe I'll, why not? I'll try yeah. my hand at it. Yeah. Well, his arc is going from being a man to being a god, and what's the definition of being a god is imbuing life and you know creating. And that's the completion of his arc. So. To start some other civilization somewhere else, they can start so how you dating doing? the nature of God. Come here and give me a hug. All right. So, so, so we're cool, Dan. We're cool right, right now. We're, Wait. cool? What? Yeah. Here he is just like, all right, I got this coming. Give it to me. Come on. <laughs> just the fact that he just takes it. Just It takes all the fun out of it. Come on. Fuck. Oh, man. <laughs> Is this not what, a part of it? It's totally the, the grow well, up thing again. Just grow up. It, 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 it goes back to the idea of his make you feel better. Well, no, it goes back to the idea of his impotence. He is completely powerless to stop this. It's already happened. All he knows how to do is just punch something into submission, and that's what he did as a hero. But this this situation that's far bigger than him, he's completely powerless. He can't mm-hmm. do anything other than these words that he's saying to him right now. They're like, I'm just really. We're not friends anymore. You're, and the, I shall not call again. And you're, yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you know the Yankees game we're going to go to? Just forget <laughs> it. Just forget it. You can forget that 50 bucks. I you know that jacket you said you lost? Well, yeah. I have I, it. I stole I'm it. I'm not giving it, it back. <laughs> plus that letter to the editor, I wrote that. So there. I Wait. did make out with your sister, and I did break <laughs> up with her. And your mom's a slut. Did so, they ex- okay. Okay, so it was my girlfriend, but whatever. Yeah. Did they explain why, um, how, Nida, or how Archie is working again? 
They he they, uh, they he did a heater the, thing. Yeah, he pumped the heaters into the control panel. Oh, before they left, he was right? like, thinking Badoo and the what's he who's he? They they, 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 they they rerouted the power. Through yeah, the they, they sent the dilithium yeah. crystals through the right. flux capacitor. The, the, the Terminator yeah. was the Terminator was uh, damaged, and then it found an alternate. Uh, there oh, yeah. that so, makes perfect sense. Brilliant spheres. So I like this. I like I like this image. It's like so, dude. You saved the world. How'd that feel? Good. Have a good. 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 Man. Here's the Outer Limits. This is the Outer Limits. Outer this Limits quote. Exactly. And in the book even says, like, uh, tonight's episode of the Outer Limits, the architects of fear, as Dan and Laurie walk in the door. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is awesome. This, I, I kind of hinted at this earlier, but this is a choice that Zack Snyder makes that I'm, uh, I, I, I'm uh, the jury is out on. Essentially, what, that belt? It, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. No, essentially <laughs> what happens. <laughs> this I like the belt. In the book, Dan and Laurie show up. They've got, he's dyed his hair blonde and grown a mustache. She's cut her hair. She looks completely different. They've got new names. They're living out a new, quiet life. We've seen her tits in this movie. They're not that big. Right. Yeah, yeah I would agree with you. Uh, so th- they've found this new, quiet life away from the mask, and they've, they've, they're complete now. They were able to merge their two selves together, and they become whole, and they are able to ride off into the sunset happily ever after. Here, in a minute, Dan's going to come in and say, yep, aren't you fueled up? Costumes are right. Yeah, here we go. We're going to be heroes again. And it's kind of like... Well, in a perfect world, do you need to still be a hero? Like in this world that's been created, do you still need to do that? And if so, isn't the whole point of being able to to, to go through everything you've been through the idea that you can set aside like the costume that you can set the mask down and you don't have to be that anymore? Whereas this, it sounds like, hey, we got the best of both worlds. The the, the Earth is perfect now, and everybody's rebuilding and, and peace and love and hippie, and we still get to go up and beat up bad guys. Apparently, well, I don't. I mean, I don't think. I don't know. Just because the the doomsday clock is is uh, reset, I don't think that means that this is it's an end to street crime. It's not like you know, it's not, it's not like this is you know the rapture that's just certainly happened not or anything like that. Um, and, and the my other alternate thing was um, this is this is a, uh, the argument of the movie uh, about the movie Secretary if you've ever seen that movie I love Secretary, Secretary is so a great are. movie what about Secretary are you so familiar good. with Secretary Secretary is sure, a, yeah. Secretary is about a for the, briefly for the, you should check it out it's a, it's a, talk about talk about an indie which is unsettling uh, yes. Secretary is your movie and it's a beautiful charming film it really is funny um, basically uh, Secretary is uh, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal um, plays a girl who uh, is, a, is a masochist and uh, and she likes to cut herself, and uh, she doesn't like it, but she does it. And uh, she becomes the secretary to James Spader, who it turns out is kind of sadistic. And then the hijinks ensue. Also exactly, and uh, it's quite quite a film. It's quite an interesting film. Um, and the 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 director I talked about uh, how you know people would his friends showed it to his friends early on, like okay, yeah, you made this movie, see what you think. Um, and they would like. They would say she, she'll get better, right? She's going to get better, right? She, at the end, she's going to get better, and that's not the movie's message at all. The, the movie's message is she doesn't need she's to get fine. better. She's Everyone fine else needs to is. get over it. Right. So, so that's she my, found her happiness exactly. So that's my that's my answer to you there, Eddie. Is like is like is like why do these people need to heal up and not put the costumes anymore? Why, why is it like it's okay to be gay? It's okay to be I, I, I get that. you know to be Muslim? Why isn't it okay to be a superhero? It's like these people are that. just doing Comic-Con Plus is all they're doing. Right, right. And, and I why guess, shouldn't they keep doing it? I love it? the slice and the inclination of the slice going up on the buildings. The cross no. section is angled like that. And if you no. look in the background the towers are Vite just fine. Yeah. Yeah. The towers are fine. Towers are okay. They made it. No, I mean, I, I, I go with you on that one. I, I agree. Um, that's certainly a viable option. I guess from my perspective, the old ending was like the only real healing that they've been able to do. It's just a different way to heal, I suppose. Why is there a smart car? 
Um, because it's the new wonderful the, future. It's wonderful future because he's introduced probably all these new technologies he had cooking up his sleeve and a nice little throwback with yeah. with the Carl Jr. sauce. It's actually an interesting change because in the book the electric cars are there the whole time. It's yep. something that's it's so it's, it gets you Manhattan see, Manhattan Vite technology. Right? Yeah, yeah, you see, like even in this dystopia. Uh, section of the book you know where everything has gone to <laughs> shit still there's still cars. electric cars like that are plugged in mcdonald's manager ty tuck yeah and this nice. was i mean this is a, this how this scene ends is exactly how the book ends and that was my biggest fear is like because that was such a touchdown ending uh in the book and i i just didn't want them more than that i didn't want them to fuck with the ending at all and and they didn't much to their credit something in the crack file be a little heavy-handed about you know. Uh, I leave it entirely in present. your hands. Yes. Okay. It could be. It could be done a little quicker. Just a little more. Yeah. It's we nice. need something. I don't care what. Just pull. It's pull longer in the book. But yeah. It, you know. Pull something. A little voice over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then. Watch no me, y'all. No sound. The entire movie. And I'm still freaking amped up. That's so yeah. cool. It gives you like chills. It gives you like visible. You know. I used to have feathers, and, it, and, it, and again, it's like it's like you kind of go, "Yeah, wait, no, that means we're always just going to find a way to and fuck up Utopia." Co- a cover of right. Desolation Road by my homeboys, My Chemical Romance. They do, they do rock out the. But what? The but what about Row. what? What? Greg how are they gonna, okay, Greg Cannon. How are they going to fuck up the future by telling the truth? Exactly. Yeah, that's the, the that's does, does, that's where the movie goes. It's like some things the public shouldn't know because they're not qualified to know, and it would just fuck things up for them. Trey Watchmen, yes. love it. Love it, love it. Got the love the book, love the movie, love the special edition. Bought the toilet Want, paper. Need to need to buy a Blu-ray player so I can watch all the the making of this stuff because I'm fascinated. I think it's a I think it's it's a movie that you know Fantastic Four. Fuck those people. Watchmen <laughs> is the movie that needs to be made from comic books. Brian Fenefer, amazing, amazing story, amazing example of storytelling, and the movie does a really tremendous job. I mean, it's not perfect, but. Man, is it better than we ever had any right to expect. It's better than we deserve. It really Pretty is. Much. It Pretty really much. is. It's better than we deserve. And it's better, so much better than what we almost got many, many times. And for my part, this movie came along and just knocked me on my ass. I had no idea what to expect, and I loved it, and I'm a huge fan now of the concept. and retroactively interested in the book in a way that I wasn't before, and just been able to read it and make my way through it, which is a first for me. Just on the whole, everything about Watchmen is really cool. And uh, I, I leave this one to resident Watchmen man, <laughs> Eddie Doty. Eddie, sir, how do you feel about the Watchmen movie? Uh, we, okay, I'll, I'll say this: the 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 book, the the the, the book, um, was on Times list of the hundred greatest American or hundred greatest novels for a reason. Uh, it's yeah. a brilliant book. Zack Snyder and uh, the many people who have worked on this really gave a shit and cared about doing honor to the story and interpreted it and added their own spin and added their own touches and added their own elements and then got out of the way of the brilliant parts of the book to let that shine through and really did a bang up job on this. I say, if you like this movie, continue to watch this movie a few times over. You'll catch little nuances on every little viewing. And especially if, whether you have or have not read the book, read the book again with a critical eye, you will fill in little gaps and little stories any great story, any great movie, if it has people talking about it and analyzing it and debating it, it has done its job. And both the book and the movie do that very well. Cool. Thank you very much for coming out this week and listening to us. Uh, I guess you didn't have to go anywhere. 
That's <laughs> was, we know, did odd word choice. We yeah, have to come road show. With Eddie's out. Road We're show. pointing out this is the first uh, roadshow edition of uh, Down in Front. We've actually did. Uh, we we put Down in Front into a, a duffel bag and carried it here, and it weighs about fifty pounds. My arm hurts. So you may notice the acoustics were different. We'll see yep. how it comes out. Yeah, I'm curious tell. about that. See I wonder you can, if you can hear the stomping around when we go uh, of my of my little dogs like walking around in my my old floor. You can always come back to downinfront.net and find more commentary. Subscribe to us on iTunes and get them every single week delivered to your e door. And until next time, you can always find us at Twitter. Slash down in front. Get your updates, get ready to go, get some new episodes, prepare yourself for the coming amazingness of um, well, everything that we're going to put into your lives. And until next time, I am T. Karisti. And I'm Ryan Pettiter. Eddie Doty. And Trey Stoke. And this has been Down in Front. Thank you very much for listening. Good night, good night. Good night. Give me back my face. You're in here with me. Trendsinyourhead.com.